Hey, good morning to you and a happy Monday. It's Bruce and Judy. We are on top of a variety of different stories out there. Uh, <laughs> heck of a weekend. Uh, we got some Ukraine stories coming up. We're going to be talking to uh, ABC News' Karen Travers about what's going on uh, at the White House regarding Ukraine and some of the things out there. Got to give a shout out to your Loyola, by the way. Yeah, very exciting. Huh? Yeah, I, I, I was losing my mind. <laughs> It's, not, it's I made just the nuts. mistake of calling during uh, the basketball game when you and the me and the cat. and the cat. Yeah, we were we were watching the Ramblers as we tend to do. I called and I hear meowing. I go, is that a cat? I mean, yeah, my cat's watching the basketball game with me. Yeah, me. don't yeah. bother us. Come on. And uh, also, congratulations to uh, um, University of Illinois. Mm-hmm. So their uh, their first Big Ten title in seventeen years. So. Good weekend for basketball uh, locally around here. Uh, and Saturday was an amazing day weather-wise. Although, I hope you didn't put away your mittens and your jackets and whatnot on Saturday. Because, yeah, yeah, this morning when you walk out, you'll be reminded that Mother Nature uh, is not quite done with the winter yet. So, almost 70, maybe 70 in some places? That's crazy. Yeah, it was it was pretty incredible. I mean, I'm, I got myself out to uh, I, I went for a walk in the graveyard. Actually, I beg your pardon. I gra- I took the misses out to the graveyard, Graceland Cemetery, for a nice little stroll among the uh, the headstones, mm-hmm. picnic perhaps too. Yeah, mm-hmm. sure. That's what weird. A little. Do you have do you have family buried there? No, not at all. It's just nearby. And what, have you never Graceland Cemetery is is spectacular. It's got all these. Uh, famous names. Still a cemetery, right? Still a cemetery. Okay, just but making sure. You've got guys yeah. like Dan Yeah, you could walk around it, though. And it's oh, nice totally. Thing. People walk around cemeteries. They run in cemeteries. There, There's the, a big controversy. A controversy? Well, people running people through cemeteries? Like, run. like they like, do their jogging yeah, in cemeteries. That it's disrespectful to jog yeah, through a cemetery? Yeah, the dead people really, it really bugs them. Well, the vibrations <laughs> on the ground, I can imagine. They're yeah. spinning in their uh, graves like a rotisserie. But the nice part about this one is, and uh, is that Daniel Burnham, mm-hmm. uh, the the architect, as it were, of the Chicago World's Fair, buried there. You've got Potter Palmer, Palmer House Hotel, his whole family buried there. A lot there. of famous people. Yeah, it's very. very I'm still nice. going out. It's a little little weird to go for a, a jaunt in the uh, in the cemetery. <laughs> I still hold my breath when I drive past them. Isn't that a rule? I believe so. That's a rule, right? Um, when you're driving past cemetery, you got to hold your breath. Some cemeteries are awfully big. I know. Don't <laughs> get me wrong. Some of them you really got to like. Roosevelt Road, any of those cemeteries? No, I don't think so. You got to start expanding your lungs early, you know, so that you have the uh, capacity to get past the whole thing. And then if there's a traffic jam, you're just screwed. Yeah, you're just you're absolutely screwed. So uh, uh, people out and about, uh, and again, Saturday, a bit of a tease, maybe of what spring was like. Did, did did you go for a walk in the cemetery? 312-591-8900. I sincerely hope you didn't, because I think Tom is weird for doing that, to say the least. Yeah. Did, did well, you Tom- eat there as well? You said you had a picnic? Oh, God. No. Oh, no. I, 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 we simply hold, held hands oh, as right. we uh, looked well, upon... It's a nice place to walk. I mean, it's very serene. There's plenty Lots of places of- to walk in Chicago that don't involve going through a cemetery. Yeah, not- none is serene. And, yeah, and there, I mean, what parks are that big? for a reason. You know, they have trees and grass and mm-hmm. gravestones. That's a cemetery. You've just described a cemetery. Mausoleums. Yeah. <laughs> it's- well, I'll tell you this. There was there was this one. There were many joggers, as Judy mentioned. People just go in there and they jog because you could just it's just a circle. You don't have to worry about traffic. You're not thinking about whether or not there's mm-hmm. a car coming. So you've got yeah, just plenty- spirits. Yeah. <laughs> It'll give you the spirit of 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 running. Maybe oh that one of God, these guys yeah. buried there Jim was a jogger. Jim Fix is buried there somewhere. Okay. Yeah. So 
but they, they, I think even the, the groundskeepers, the people who work there know the regular joggers. Right. Because there was a, uh, an older lady, an older woman who was going for her, you know, Saturday jog, beautiful day. Mm-hmm. And these guys are coming by on a golf cart, all high vised up. They've got their, you know, got shovels and, and other oh God. implements yeah. that you would use in a graveyard. That you would use to bury people. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And use shovels. Oh. And they see her and they're just like, hey, good morning, Mrs. Blah, 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 Mrs. Smith. You know, good morning. She's a good to see you. Yeah, she's, she's a regular. As long as they're not saying, ah, see you soon. See you soon. Exactly. Yeah. That was my point. We're going to be like, mm, she's been slowing down a little bit. Age is starting to catch up to her. Hey, have you thought about picking out your own place here? Are they yeah. trying to drum up business? Could be good. I, I will I'll say. I she's already got a plot there. That's why they She know. might. Yeah. Just checking it checking it out, doing a drive, you know, kind of saying, yeah. mm, this is still looking good. A lot of those plots are already taken. It's mm-hmm. not like you can just walk in and get one. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I've never... I, only time I've ever been in cemeteries is for funerals. And oh, I don't feel like I'm the weird one in the group. Sorry. <laughs> I, I just don't think that's odd. I'm pretty sure I let my kids drive the car in the cemetery. But they learned how to drive there? Well, I, Luke was pretty young, maybe 10. Okay, so but that's not we even learning there, how to drive. nobody there. This is a cemetery out in the middle of nowhere. Did he take out any headstones no, on the way? No, he wasn't bad. It was wasn't a little bit bad. narrow. The The roads were a little bit more narrow in a cemetery. They they're seem not, small. They're not two-lane highways. <laughs> Fair. Um, but yeah, he did pretty well. I don't know whose idea it was, but we were all over it. And everyone was already dead. It's a, I was so going to say, kill anyone. who are you going to hurt? He's it's a 10-year-old. We're in a cemetery. What's the worst that could happen? All right? Oh, we're God. already here. We could cut out the middleman. You know, just let the 10-year-old When drive. I was growing up, my very good friend, Kathy Schlapka, her dad had a second job. I, digging graves, I guess. I don't really remember. Ugh. But I used to go with them like twice a week to the cemetery. In the evening, we'd like around four, we'd stay for hours. I don't know why my parents let me go, but it was the most fun place to play. Fun to play in a cemetery. When you live in Chicago, there's not, we think, I mean, there are parks, but not parks maybe that are conducive to little kids to run around and play. And not like now, growing up, yeah, you maybe wanted to avoid the parks, especially at dusk. Mm -hmm. Hold on a second. You're going through walks in the graveyard at night? No! But you know what? Hard no. I mean, even if there's cloud cover, I'm not yeah, going see, in like one. you, I think criminals think that way, too. They don't want to go to a cemetery. They don't want to Bad go to a people cemetery. don't want to go. They're no. afraid. No! Absolutely. Well, there's going to be a hand. It's going to come up out of the ground. It's going to grab me by, like, the ankle. I've seen this movie. It's horrific. I saw a trailer for it because I don't actually see scary movies. Oh, yeah, no. Um, I don't know. I, I don't have a problem with cemeteries. I, I'm well, afraid, yeah. Uh, maybe Resurrection Cemetery. Maybe Resurrection You run into Resurrection Mary. I see Mary, yeah. Yeah. Mm-mm. Yeah. <laughs> There's also one in Elmhurst, at Elmhurst College, that has uh, some woman mm. who, yeah. I actually went on, I, have you ever been on one of those, um, I want to say a horror walk. But oh, it's like a ghost that. tour? Ghost, ghost tour. tour. Yeah. 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 Ghost they tour. Had, like Elmhurst College is really special. Has a, has a ghost way. tour. They had, yeah. If you've had a lot of tragedy, generally, you can have a ghost tour. Oh, God. That's what I took it as. But anyway, there's a cemetery right on campus, which I find hilarious. So there are all the dorms. Right. All the windows. And I'm like, yeah, I want to come here and go to school. Yeah. Kids. I liked it. <laughs> With their lives in front of them. And, and, yeah. and you have a, 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 this is how it's all going to end, guys. Just so we're clear. Uh, you know, I know you think you have your whole lives in front of you, but it, we all end up in the ground right over here somewhere. What was it the Monsignor said? Ashes to ashes, dust, dust to, to dust. dust. Yeah. We all gotta go sometime. Oh my god! I do, I, and most of us go to the cemetery. I'm on the side though that it is, and I'm not trying to pass too much judgment on DJ Tom. That it is, 
running through a cemetery, I think, falls on the on the scale a little on the disrespectful side. Mm-hmm. That it it, it, that. it it attacks the 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 reverence, if you will, of an area. Because mm-hmm. in my mind, I think of like a family going to pay their respects and they're sitting there and it, and they brought a flower, you know, and they're, they're sitting there and <laughs> the guy comes jogging by them. And I'm like, what the heck? I just think that, you, you know what I'm saying? Doubled over. Yeah, and like, uh, <laughs> he's got any water. Oh my God. Okay. Oh, feel the burn. You know, and off he goes. You would know, it, would and it, it change your mind? Weird. Would it change your mind if I told you that this cemetery, Graceland Cemetery, does audio tours? Of like the famous people that are buried yeah. there. Yep, you oh, can yeah. go and get your your little, little headphones. Headset. Yeah, and yeah. it'll tell you. It's like, oh yeah, here's Honoree, here's uh, McCormick. But, 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 okay, you know. but you're going to pay respects in some way, shape, or form to the to the sure to, to those that have passed. But let me ask you: When was the last time you saw a family in a cemetery? Mm. Nobody goes. So in my mm. book, at mm. least the people in the cemetery are like, oh. Here comes the runner. At least there's Mrs. somebody Smith is here. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm serious. I when I go to the cemetery, you think the ghosts are like well, at least someone showed up, yeah. even just, if they're running. It's I just feel like it's lost that luster of you can't. You know, we have to be so respectful. You can't. You know, you better walk in a cemetery and not talk. I oh. Hold my breath. Uh, hold my I breath when I drive past. That's I, a rule. As long as they're not, they're not. You know, desecrating any of the areas. Yeah, yeah. I think it's okay. Two two four says Judy. Um, your friend's dad was a grave robber who digs graves at four p.m. So <laughs> I think that's a valid question. Uh, uh, work at the graveyard, or you're digging up graves in <laughs> well, the middle wait, of the wait, night. Wait, There's why a difference. Can't you have a grave at four p.m. I guess so. Is there a time the of day? day? You yeah. know, you're getting. Oh, you're getting a head start. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, uh, what do you want to dig when the, the people mornings. are walking up? Almost finished, folks. Hold not on. Yet. Wait. <laughs> a few no, more shovels to go. Yet. It's not deep yeah, enough. I think it's fine. Grand- I, Grandpa's going to make it out of this one. You know what? One. I don't know. Even th- I think maybe he was tending the grounds, maybe. I'm not mm, really sure. I like Grave Robber. I think oh, I it's know. a better That's story. Why. Yeah. Okay, maybe. <laughs> Much better story. <laughs> and a good morning to you. A uh, a happy Monday. Uh, although the weather is a little bit uh, iffy out there. Bruce and Judy with you. Do be careful. Uh, well, there was some snow and some rain or some whatever you call that mixture of it overnight uh some icy patches out there. i can i can report that walking in there's some ice uh you know uh, you guys drive in you tell me what the roads are like uh the sidewalks slightly icy uh it is going to snow again later this afternoon um works or later this morning so we're expecting kind of a second wave if you will yeah just in time for the morning rush there you go nice. perfect mm-hmm. all right so maybe that is one of the perfect reasons why you're thinking well i could really use a vacation uh, th- although this winter has not been that long, I will remind you for all the complaining. I mean, it was still re- unseasonably warm in early December. So, you know, you know what I'm saying. I mean, nobody we- remembers December. Okay, now we're in March and it's snowing. It is snowing <laughs> in March, so maybe you need to get away. Right? Are you already planning your next vacation, and where will you go to? Yes, I will be going to uh, an island. Oh. oh. Yeah, can't wait. So five ways people know when it's time for a vacation. Oh, okay. I had all of these. Feeling stressed and overwhelmed, 39%. Needing a break from work, 38%. I think that's rather low. They and their partner need a break, 
I find that interesting. From each other? And I'm not sure if that's what that means. <laughs> I was going to say, we're going yeah. on separate but equal vacations? I, I think so. I If it were both of them going, then I think it would say something like they need a break together. together. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's time alone. Yeah, time alone. I totally I get break. that. Having extra money. Okay. Always. Mm-hmm. And then the kids and family want to go on vacation. Yeah. Yeah, you you are split amongst our reasons as to why you. I love that they they and their partner need a break, and Mm. I just like you read that from each other. You know what, honey? I'm gonna head over to uh, Key West. Going to Key West? Oh, really? Really? Where should I pack my bags? Well, uh, you know, I don't care where you go, but you're not going with me. I actually think that does. They must mean together. They need a break together. (laughs) Let's hope so. Let's let's be positive about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. But I could I could see that though, a needing a break from your significant other. I I could I could, and I know I could. I'll probably get crucified if she's listening right uh-oh, now. Uh-oh. But I think it's healthy. It, it is healthy. That's I I'm in agreement with that. I think sometimes you know if they want to go on a girls trip, you want to go on a guys trip, or you just I don't know. You guys are individual people. You want your time apart, maybe. Yeah. You want to well, try you have to do- your own interest that maybe the sure. other person doesn't give a hoot about. <laughs> Hopefully a hoot, but not many hoots. Not many hoots. Hardly well, any hoots. My my brother is like that. Mm-hmm. My brother and his wife, they go on vacations together, and they go on vacation separately. Like, my brother, uh, down he skis. My sister-in-law doesn't like the snow. Mm. So you can see where those two things act in concert uh, against each other. So he goes skiing. She goes and where she wants to, she goes to warm places. So she'll go and do something at a warm place. And yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no problem. I, I, know I don't people, have a problem with that. When they get older, a lot of like my friend's parents, one of them will go like to Arizona or Florida for the winter. Uh, the oh, snowbirds. Yeah. One yeah. of snowbirds. them. Yeah. Only one. Only one goes. Only one. The other so one stays back for the, to. For those reasons. They don't want to spend it, you know. We winter. need a few months of a few months apart. Is it absence makes the heart grow fonder? Isn't yeah. that the argument? Yeah. I guess in there. If you recall, there used to be separate bedrooms in the fifties. I learned that from watching Lucy and Ricky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Dick Van Dyke. We're going to push the beds mm-hmm. together tonight, Lucy. <laughs> <laughs> Lucy. Um, yeah. So I mean, the thing, I have a lot of girlfriends. I, we go away all the time. Sure. So that to me, I, and I think if you go into your relationship with those expectations, it's a lot better, right? Like mm-hmm. I've got, you know, 15 girlfriends over here that I'm going to be spending a lot of time with. So, that, you know, you're going to have to get used to that. Yeah. It, it, they, they, they did a survey about all this, uh, people that do surveys and found the older you get, your desire to go on vacation increases. I, I think you, you, older you get, the less uh, tolerant you are of BS. And also, let's acknowledge maybe the older you get, you have the ability to go on vacation. I think a lot of 18-year-olds want to go on vacation. but the, like, Yeah, they want to know, go to Panama Sha- City Beach. But, the Sha- uh, Schomburg Mall is as far as I can make it. You know what yeah. I'm saying? I mean, I'm not going to call it a vacation. You know? I mean, I went to the Orange Julius, uh, for goodness sakes. Right? And I find that when I do go on vacation for the first time, like this year I'm going to go and next month, I'm going to want to go on a lot more vacations. Once you go, you're like, oh, well, this is good. Yeah. Hey, Glenn, in Evanston, tell me about your vacation, uh, your your plan. Well, there was a certain ex-girlfriend of mine. um, Before we broke up, she used to get on my nerves to the point where I take a vacation from her every every month. (laughs) 
I Once can't wait till maybe like, three or four days. You're like, I gotta go on vacation. I gotta get, I, I gotta get out of here. Okay, all right. Uh, you probably I, should have looked for a new girlfriend. I was on those gonna vacations. say, I, there's a good reason. You know what, Judy? I actually did. Yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a good call there. Ex girlfriend for, for a reason. If you need a vacation from your current girlfriend, oh, I don't know, every month, mm. I think that says something about your relationship. I wonder how much the kid, and Judy, you probably speak to it, uh, how much kids factor into your vacations. Did that ever hold you back from wanting to go on a vacation or did it propel you? Makes them a lot more expensive. Oh, yeah, no, we it? went on vacation all, no, you know what we did? We did little trips all the time. Mm-hmm. My husband used to, he, he's in sales, so he had a territory, right? Indiana, Michigan, Wisconsin, Minnesota. We would go with him all the time, you know, like four week, va- uh, four day vacations. And he was kind weekends. of like working a little during he it. Would, which but. was the only bad part, and I didn't catch on to that for quite a few years. I'm like, wait a minute. We're on vacation. Mm-hmm. I'm taking care of three kids. Mm-hmm. You're working, even at the room. You know, well, I got to work for a couple hours, so mm-hmm. you don't take the kids to the pool. Yeah, it got kind of old, but... Now, I, you know, I love taking like the, the kids the out. Callahan Breakparts territory. Yeah, Isn't right. that what that yeah. is there? That's the, uh, the, the, the greater thing there. Yeah. Yeah, he's got a business dinner that night. Oh, well, I right. have to have yeah, cocktails right. with my clients. <laughs> so. but I, I will tell you, my kids remember that. They remember how many vacations we went. Oh, yeah. my gosh. We went on so many. And then we, aside from the work-related ones, we always took trips with yeah. the kids. Is there something to do in all those places? Oh, yeah. You find something. Oh, God, you know? yeah. Always. Yeah. And if I took him on longer trips, like on a plane, I would just make sure to give him lots of Benadryl. Oh, God. And they were such good children yeah. on so the airplane. So you drug your children. Yeah. Oh, Absolutely. my God, yes. Right, yeah. I would recommend it. Classic. Sleeping like babies. Yeah. All right. Hey, there's still time for our criminal of the day. And I got to give a shout out to Nicole Unke of Largo, Florida, who hits hard. But apparently not hard enough. Allegedly. Nicole became angry when she couldn't find her cell phone. Yes, who amongst us? Thinking her boyfriend was behind its disappearance, she became increasingly agitated. Although she eventually found her phone, Nicole wasn't about to let her boo off the hook. According to testimony, the boyfriend was sitting at his desk attempting to ignore his angry girlfriend when she began to strike him repeatedly. Initially, he told police he thought this was her attempt at foreplay and thought it was some, quote, Fifty Shades of Grey type stuff, unquote. The slaps and punches became more aggressive, and the man started to come around to the idea that this wasn't leading to anything good. He told police he asked her to stop, but the beating continued to the point he acquired a large bump on his head, was seeing stars, and had to flee the apartment and call the police. Miss Onke, still wearing face paint from a festival the couple attended earlier, was arrested and booked on domestic battery charges. I have her picture up on the Facebook page of the Bruce St. James. So for liking it rough, but not in that way, you, Nicole Onke, are the Bruce St. James Show criminal of the day. All suspects described above should be considered innocent until found guilty in a court of law, no matter how crazy they are. Hey, good morning and a happy Monday to you. So we got coming up this hour. Small towns are attracting more and more remote workers. Is this the bounce back that small town America needs? We'll talk about it at 645. And the prices are painful if you're filling up this morning. How much higher will gas prices go? And how much are you willing to pay? Let us know what you think after 630. And Cubs season ticket holders are split on whether their investment 
is still holding value. We'll talk about the continuing impact of the baseball lockout in just a couple of minutes. But first, ABC News White House correspondent Karen Travers is with us right now as we look at the ongoing response to the crisis in Ukraine. Uh, good morning, Karen. Thank you for spending time good with morning. us. Good uh, morning. You know, it, it appears to me that the, the Biden administration, uh, I, I, I will say in cooperation with or in uh, conjunction with a lot of our mm-hmm. our allies, are trying to... What's the word I'm looking for? Adjust our response. And and I'm going to say this nicely. This is the cynical me, Karen. You don't have to be this way. Uh, it strikes me that they want to be tough on Russia, but not so tough that it hurts America too much. That seems yeah, like a pretty fine line to walk. It's a very fine line. It's a tricky line. And I, the White House has been very clear publicly uh, that that's the line that they're walking right now. The president has been clear in almost every time he's talked about Ukraine in the last couple of weeks that the steps he will take will be aimed at punishing Russia, making Vladimir Putin pay a price. But he does not want to see the United States feel significant impacts. And that's where the question of uh, banning Russian oil imports comes up. A lot of talk about that over the weekend. And Nancy Pelosi, the House says that there will be a measure considered in the House that would do just that, even as the administration says no decisions have been made, there's conversations taking place with European partners. But there are big concerns at the White House that if you do that, it will, of course, cause a spike in gas prices. Europe will largely take the hit on that. But there will be a trickle effect into the United States. And there's already big concerns right now about the price of gas. Wow. And how is the support on Capitol Hill for, you know, continuing to help Ukraine or doing Mm -hmm. something more drastic? The administration has uh, asked for $10 billion for humanitarian, military, and economic assistance, so lethal and humanitarian aid. $10 billion was requested. Speaker Pelosi says that that will be uh, likely attached to a government spending bill that has to be passed by this Friday. There is certainly bipartisan support for giving more. There was a big conference call on Saturday that uh, several hundred lawmakers were on with Ukraine's President Zelensky. And he is still asking for more assistance, more military hardware, asking for a new fly zone over Ukraine, which the administration and uh, NATO have said no is not happening at this point. But I think in terms of funding, we should see that with no issues uh, get approved by the end of this week, assuming that it's part of the larger government spending bill that has to get passed. But the administration has made it clear that more aid will be coming to Ukraine. And you're certainly seeing bipartisan lawmakers say we've got to do what we can to help. That's ABC uh, News White House correspondent Karen Travers. And and Karen, along those lines, Mm -hmm. uh, military equipment and supply lethal uh, type equipment we're hearing yeah. talks about uh, uh pr- providing ukraine with uh, uh, fighter jets mm-hmm. is is there a, a danger in that as well you know I, there is and the white house will say that you know the united states has been very clear that it will provide assistance the line though of course is united states forces actually being in ukraine and fighting against russians the president said that is a line that will not be crossed he will not do that should the need arise, of course, there will be assistance that flows to Ukraine. They've been doing that for some time now, but of course, it's been certainly stepped up in recent weeks. Uh, we've seen those troop deployments to Eastern Europe to bolster NATO allies in that part of the region. And there is that concern, of course, of how ambitious Vladimir Putin wants to be. Where does this go? Does he try to move beyond Ukraine? The president has said publicly he believes that he does have that ambition to do it. And that's why the United States is starting to uh, 
booster, bolster uh, allies in the region, and more troops could go if that were needed. Wow. And we're hearing a lot more about attacks on civilians. Uh, do you have any numbers? I don't. No, I'd have to pull that for you guys, but I don't have that at my fingertips. You know, Karen, uh, but along those lines, you know, there, there appears to be maybe a, I don't want to use the term a tipping point, but as the civilian casualties ratchet up, um, I would guess that the pressure on, on the Biden administration ratchets up also to prevent a you know, catastrophe of this level. Uh, how 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 do you navigate? How are they navigating something like this? And I, I'm trying to get a sense of the calculus. Yeah, I mean, as we heard over the weekend, the U.S. ambassador to the U.N. was saying that the president, and she was reiterating it, very clear, no troops on the ground, and the no-fly zone is not something that could be implemented. That's not something that's under consideration right now. This is something that Zelensky has asked for, saying that Ukraine needs help in uh, establishing those safe corridors, establishing humanitarian corridors, but it's not on the table right now, and NATO has said the same. But the administration has been clear in their public statements, and we know this is being conveyed to Ukrainian officials from the president and foreign minister and uh, the defense ministers there that the United States will help with assistance in every other way possible. That was the phrase. So look for a lot of money, military hardware, humanitarian aid that's just over across the border. We saw the head of USAID in the region last week trying to make that point that the United States is helping on the Polish border, especially as refugees are flooding over there trying to escape the violence. Karen, thank you so much. We appreciate your, your, your time and appreciate your insight into that. It's ABC News White House correspondent Karen Travers. You know, along those lines, and, and my question is for you guys, is how much will you support, uh, uh, do, you know, understanding that if we go all in on Russian sanctions, the price of gas, the price of home heating oil, it's going to go up. It, it, it flat is going to happen. Are you willing to do that to support Ukraine? Three one two five nine one eighty nine hundred. Is that worth it? Because it appears that the Biden administration has been making the calculation, the political, political calculation, that rising gas prices is worse for President Biden than losing a war in Ukraine. <laughs> I mean, and and you know what? I think there might be some, uh, there's some evidence of that. I'd rather pay higher gas prices than send Americans. You say that, but look at all the people complaining about the price of gas. And by the way, blaming the president, who has nothing to do with the price of gas, but they they still believe it doesn't matter. Well, who, I mean, if we, if the Keystone Pipeline was up and running right now, Keystone Pipeline is up this second, by the way, Nick, this second, there is oil, tar sands flowing through the Keystone Pipeline. Is there? Okay. And it's coming into where? From Canada to Mexico. Okay. And you know, yeah. I, we all yeah, Gulf of Mexico I, is working numbers, this second. You can Google it. And the numbers don't always add up for me because I know we produce the most. We use the most oil, gasoline. We and, use more than We anybody. also produce the most. We, we I mean, Russia's like twenty, ten percent, or twenty, or ten percent. I think of the world's mm-hmm. oil. Hey, okay, not it's pretty significant, but not not as significant as how the prices are reacting. I mean, it's more a matter of the crisis than it is a matter well, and, of and, and yeah. instability yeah, not instability, knowing where if you're going to be able to get it and, and and the problem is while we may only i think we get seven percent of our oil from russia i think is the last numbers i looked at there's an seven yeah, percent yeah why are the prices so crazy because germany gets 30 percent yeah, europe gets all europe their, gets 40 yeah. percent you know that and and that when their supply gets cut off 
They go looking for quote unquote hours and it runs the price up. The price goes up everywhere. It's a globally traded commodity, people. I hate to break it to you. <laughs> you know, the, the price of a barrel in Russia and the price of a barrel in Texas is the same price. It doesn't matter, you know, and when some of the supply is constricted, the price goes up everywhere. It, it just does. And, and, and I mean, there's I where there's where the administration can do something about that. I mean, there are things they can do. To do what? Not, you know, it's about the price. They can, you know. How? The government doesn't more. make oil. Yeah. Of course they do. They open up the pipelines. They can, we ju- we're just talking about it. What are you talking well, about? Well, like to, they, to Bruce's point, it's phase they do four the regulations. of the XL that did not open up. Right. right. They're, they're, right. No, the pipeline's yeah. open. It, and, and again, it, none of that oil affects the United States. Uh, that goes onto ships and goes to Japan or something. So yeah, the Keystone Pipeline has nothing to do with the United States. But, um, well, but Exxon, it has to do with the world. Exxon prices. does oil. Shell yeah. does oil. Right, not right. the U.S. government. I, I I cannot be unconvinced that it is they ratchet up the price because they can. It's not solely based on, like you said, what does it mean on a crisis? I, I'm not feeling good today, so I'm going to raise the price of oil. Well, it's, it's like the stock market. Yeah, you can look at what the price of a barrel of oil is going for, and it's, again, it's a traded commodity. It's like you could say, mm-hmm. I don't think the price of Apple stock is what it should be. Okay, well, it's still a global, you know, I it's still a stock say market. The, there it's are not, things that officials can do to help ease the burden yeah. and i would rather pay more for gas than see americans killed in a conflict oh without a doubt oh there, there's yeah. no argument there Hey, good morning to you. It's Bruce and Judy on your Monday. And uh, WLS presents the No Spin Zone with Bill O'Reilly live. It's happening Thursday, March 31st uh, in Waukegan, for goodness sakes. It's 6 o'clock, uh, doors open, show at 7. We are all going to be there hosting the show. And your tickets are on sale now. Just go to WLSAM.com for all the details of the No Spin Zone, live with Bill O'Reilly. All right, again, coming March 31st. So um, the Cubs, uh, allegedly, uh, along with the Sox, might be playing baseball sometime later. There's the negotiations during this lockout continue. There have been maybe some movement, some odd things where I saw where they were actually discussing, like, changing some rules. You know, the, 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 the owners and the players wanting to... Are agreeing or negotiating that literally change some of the rules of baseball to make the game more exciting, move it along, make it faster, if you will. But if you're a season ticket holder, you've been going all along. Do all of these work stoppages and now the latest one, do they sour you on the whole idea? Is it even worth it anymore? And I wonder, are um, season Cubs tickets any more expensive than other teams in the country? 
I feel like they are. I don't know why I think that. It's a smaller stadium. I guess I could see, I say smaller, relativity. I don't know where they rank on the the scale, if you will, of most expensive or least expensive tickets. It's all could, driven by demand, and, right. and we know that people well, go to see Cubs games even when the Cubs have been mathematically eliminated by April. You know, and, they and still go. In other states, go to see the Cubs mm-hmm. when they're playing there. You know, in other towns. So yeah, I think I feel like their ticket is worth a lot more. In any regard, I. I do know that season tickets for the Cubs are, you know, it's a, it's a hefty price tag, right? They do have some new tiers now where they're offering, like, half packages and things like that. You have to buy and, all the games. Right. And you you can resell them because I bought tickets. Oh, yeah. <sighs> Last time I bought <laughs> tickets from a friend who's a season ticket holder, they were, I mean, it was $200. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Which for me is, yeah, two tickets, 100 bucks each. I, I mean, I feel like the last time I actually paid for a ticket at, at Wrigley Field... It was, you know, fifteen dollars so, or something. So throw in the um the work stoppage and the price. Okay, so we've identified those two things. How good are the Cubs gonna be? It's they've not a literally first... traded away every player you know. You know how I knew this? The I went to one of the last games of the season. I, I was there uh um, you know, for the farewell games, if you will, from any player you'd ever heard of. And when you went into the um uh the team shop, you know, mm-hmm. they didn't have jerseys from any player that was actually on the team. They only were had like for sale jerseys, you know what I'm saying, for guys who had just left. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, nobody on this team deserves a jersey? Really? It was, yeah, that was a big deal. It was sad, but it's the Cubs. Yeah, people will yeah, show people up. People will the... show up if I'm playing. They don't, yeah, it's the Cubs. It's a diff, It's a whole different animal, I think. Now in right field, Judy yeah, exactly. Don't expect her to catch any balls, but she looks pretty darn good out there. Uh, yeah, it's just, it's the whole, it's an event. People go to, the, they're not going to the Cubs games and saying, you know, ah, wish Rizzo was still here. Although, okay, maybe I would say that. You know, they don't. They, you can still buy a Rizzo jersey, probably. We, yeah, yeah. Worry, yeah. Worry, and we, believe me, we talked about those players who won the World Series, but otherwise, you're going to Wrigley. I'm going to Wrigley. I'm going to make a stop here at this bar. I'm going to go get, you know. I think that only goes so far, though. And I think there's a law of diminishing return, you know, and and the lovable losers thing and having to experience it. There's got to be a tipping point in there for some people, you know, and and at some point. How can there be? You just said it. We're so used to losing. We won one time. We're not like now like, oh, but we better win every time. We're all bad. We're Cubs fans. We're like, whatever. Please. Three times. It's just oh, that okay. two of those times were like a hundred something years ago. Okay, okay. <laughs> they were and they played in black and white. Yeah, Remember exactly. That? Yeah. Oh, back God. in the day, I feel like when, color. I, when I go to a Sox game, I uh, expect the so- I, I have more angst if the Sox don't win than I do if the. I just expect mm. the Cubs not to win. But so, the Sox, so you go I to, want them to win. You go to Sox games to watch baseball. You go to Cubs games. To watch drink Cubs and game. hang out. Yeah. yeah Kinda, I still I mean, watch yeah. it. I mean, no, I love to watch baseball. It's so, but yeah, it's not, I, I, I'm more invested for some reason at the Sox game than I am at the Cubs game because the Cubs game is about so much more. We used to I s- always, always see someone I know at the Cubs game. We used to say that about uh, basketball in Los Angeles, that you went to Lakers games to be seen and mm-hmm. see. You know, and oh my God, there's Jack Nichols. You know what I'm saying? To see celebrities. You went to Clipper games if you actually liked basketball. You were there to watch the game yeah. because no celebrity would be caught dead, you know, inside watching a Clippers game. Mm-hmm. 
that's kind of you know where I, I get the sense where you know it, it, the it's much more of a social thing for the Cubs, and yeah, will that sustain that- them? I you know I think there's a lot of people that are. You know, if you're not even going to put a competitive team on the field, you guys are going to be on strike all the time and you're going to keep raising prices. At some point, people are going to squawk, if you will. Well, they still have a, a, you know, line to get in, whatever it's called. I mean, it's thousands of people still want to buy season tickets. So mm-hmm. I think there's your answer. Nick Gale standing by right now. And Nick, uh, U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken is on the road. Where is he off to? Hey, good morning to you. A happy Monday. It's Bruce and Judy. Uh, we talked earlier with Karen Travers from ABC News and uh, uh, touched a little bit on the issue of the price of gas and it continuing to go up, up, and up. Although I would tell you, um, careful what you wish for. Uh, I posted up on on the Facebook, the Bruce St. James, uh, two pictures I took, one Saturday, one Sunday, in Southern California, the Marina del Rey area, near LAX Airport. Uh, the Saturday picture, uh, they had the regular lowest tier, $5.79, all the way up to, if you want the good the good stuff, uh, $6.07 a gallon. Uh, then I took a picture at another, same company, Shell, another station uh, Sunday morning, and uh, it was five eighty nine for the cheap stuff, six nineteen a gallon for the for the for the quote unquote uh, uh, good stuff. Yeah, they're and saying it could go up to seven dollars at places like that. It's, okay, but the thing they're going to add at least a dollar. I'm going to tell you right now, they're at least a dollar. The thing about California, it, even in good times when I'm there, their their gas prices always astound me. Oh yeah, they're always at least a dollar, dollar fifty more right than anywhere else. It seems now. I was in Wisconsin last week. I paid, I don't know, three twelve, three twenty, something like that. I mean, it was way low. Mm-hmm. I went, got right over the border in Illinois. So you got to ask yourself too, how much of this? We know in Illinois, it's a lot of tax. So there's a way there. Just take the tax off for the time being. States love that tax money, to say I the least. I know. To yeah, say the least. Well, it's it's getting really difficult to fill up. I mean. Is- is there a tipping point for you? 312-591-8900. I mean, is there a point where you take the bus? Is there a point where you get an electric scooter? You know, I don't know. Is there yeah. a point where you say, I, there is no way I'm paying blank? You see yeah. what I'm saying? So I, I, have, a, I have a little Toyota, Toyota Corolla, right? Uh, Camry, I'm sorry. Um, Pretty fuel efficient. Yeah, right? very fuel efficient. I had... I had a little less than half a tank. I went and filled up at these outrageous prices. I want it was. I want to say it was like for fifty five dollars. So I'm in my head thinking, oh my god, if I'm an empty and I fill up, it's going to be around a hundred dollars. Now, 
let's see how long this lasts me driving to work every day. Oh, Think yeah, about yeah. all the people who haven't been coming downtown to work. They've been working from home. From home. And now they're going to have to start coming downtown. That is an Commuting, extra sitting in traffic. couple hundred dollars on your oh, commute. Yeah. It's yeah. going to be four. Right? I filled up yesterday, $74. I was on a quarter of a tank. So figure that math. Okay, yeah. so okay. it's easily 100, 100 bucks. Yeah. Okay, I'll take care of that. And that's a week. Yeah. So, is that you know, a week? That's, oh, my God. Mm-hmm. So that would be $400 as opposed to well, what would have been $200. I, I, this isn't, I'm not being gleeful. It's going to go up. I'm going to tell you, I'm not, I don't have any crystal ball. I'm just telling you, it's going to go up. I was just looking at oil futures this morning, up 7%. It's going to go up. It will continue to go up. And the question is, what's the tipping point? Because it's going up right now based on uncertainty, based on uh, fear of, of supply, if you will. The traders, you know, there's trading in this. People trade options and futures and whatnot. That will they be able to get their hands on X amount of oil? Uh, you know, will they be able to find it? And that drives the price up. And we haven't even gotten to the point where the majority of the of the world, or you know, the EU and the United States have sanctioned Russian oil or banned it in any way, shape, or form. Because if that happens, it throws the entire world uh, energy market into a tizzy. Where basically it's a free for all, yeah, and it's going to go to highest bidder. Hard about that. It's going to go to highest bidder. Yeah. I mean, that's the reality of it. Well, and so now I'm, you know, personally, I'm probably just not going to drive as much. Mm. So you will. Uh, you, it will you, yeah, you have will. to go to work, yeah. though, Judy. You're right. I, mean, I have that's, to. That's yeah. No, that's that's already. Be, it's very unsettling. Well, but you me. say that, Nick, and we've had all these stories about people saying, you know, they're going to have some sort of a hybrid schedule. You could almost see the price of gas forcing that even more so on employers, mm. where people are saying, you know, instead of coming in three days a week, like I was, I'm only coming in two days right. a week. I mean, you know? well, when you four hundred dollars, or hey, company, you're going to have to, you know, supplement me a little bit with this, you know, the new price of gas i mean it's not like it's just a little thing not to mention everything is more expensive yeah three we're, we're harping on gas but it's everything three one two five nine one eighty nine hundred is there a number that would make you change your habits or are you starting to change habits already is it already reached that uh tipping point for you you know where you're saying i'm gonna i'm gonna do some things differently uh, uh it's almost cheaper to fly than drive <laughs> oh I'm yeah not absolutely kidding. i'm flying right to Sarasota, way, Florida, for two hundred and eighteen dollars. It's it's usually cheaper to fly than drive. Yeah, that's probably true. You just don't think of it that way because you only pay forty bucks a gas, forty bucks or fifty dollars to fill at up along time. the way at yeah. a time, and then you come back and go, "I paid what for gas?" <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, but generally, when you fly, there are all these other expenses too. Then you got to maybe rent a car or get an Uber or stay Parking somewhere, right? Park, yeah. yeah. I mean, Jeez. it's a lot more expensive. So I will probably. I love taking road trips. I'm a, I'm a big road trip person. Yeah. Maybe might, not might so not much. Yeah. Well, I don't think I would. I, I not after paying just to go to work. An extra, you know, a couple hundred dollars. No, it's a lot of money. You know, the the the, the doomsayers are saying we could see a repeat of the seventies. We could see shortages. Mm. Uh, you know, that's cool. I've always wanted to live in the seventies. Man, yeah. we hey, bring back Led Zeppelin. Hey, Neil in Indiana, I noticed this as well out in uh, uh, where I've seen it. Diesel, the price of diesel. Sometimes the price of diesel is lower than the average price of gas. Sometimes it's higher. Where's it right now? Uh, it's about four seventy-five a gallon, close to five. Yeah, so it's more so right now. Diesel's more expensive. 
Yeah, and you figure out when you go to fill up one of them big trucks, it's a thousand dollars. Yeah, oh don't even gosh. get me started. Don't even get me started on yeah, putting. So that means there, there's your price going to be passed down to the consumer. Absolutely, the price of shipping and trucking and getting everything around. Yeah, yeah the truck, the truckers can't eat that. Good point. Thanks, Neil. Yeah, that that there's no doubt that that's going to have a. Uh, um, a, a, an impact again on the price of literally everything that moves by truck or train or plane. I, and I always find it so comical that, you know, because I literally, the price of gas went up like 40 cents overnight. No, it's, it, yeah. But they can't keep track of the It's not going to go down 40 cents overnight, oh, is no. it? Never. Now, how does that work? Yeah. Again, it's uh, there's a global market. You can mm-hmm. you can look up right now. You can put your bid in. You can buy a barrel of oil right now. It's one twenty three and change if you'd like to buy one. Uh, Aaron in Oswego, uh, what changes are you making? Hey, so I've reduced, actually, pretty much eliminated the the joy rides that I take, mostly to get my two toddler age kids to sleep. <laughs> uh, we we used to, you know, we used to just drive for an hour, hour and a half right, just right. to get them just it force them to take a nap <laughs> and so we haven't done that just based on how how expensive gas just is gonna have to go back to singing lullabies and rocking him to sleep i wish you the best of luck Aaron. <laughs> well the good thing is we're on you know warmer weather's on the way hopefully so we we don't tend to use the cars as mario you can use your bike you can walk places you don't really well, actually it's the, the other way around when well, the warmer weather comes people tend to travel more drive out. and that's why the price of gas always goes up over the summer, because that's when people are actually out and about. Well, we'll see if these prices we'll stay. We'll see. Yeah, I, I think, think we'll see more people it. buying bikes. You know, yeah. they're going to do what you do. It's like, well, take, like, yeah, I'm going to look into that Amtrak uh, trip this year. Right. That's a good idea. Right? Very good idea. Those of you driving electric cars right now are just giggling. Ah. Just giggling. Oh, that's cute. Price of gas, who cares? Mm-hmm. It'd be $28 a gallon. Wouldn't affect me in the slightest. Something right? to be said about that. Yeah, yeah, imagine that. And a good morning, a... Happy Monday. It's Bruce and Judy. And, you know, there's a lot to be said for small town living. There's a lot to be said for big city living. And some people are just uh, drawn to one or the other. But it's been pretty hard, if you think of yourself as a small town person, to be able to justify living in the small town. Uh, You know, small town America used to have uh, some industry, maybe some factories. There was something going on to support that small town. And then we went through a a change where manufacturing left this nation, and a lot of small towns started to dry up. I mean, there is a... There's a bit of a sadness when you drive, you know, and I drive a lot across the country. And you drive through some of these small towns and, you know, Main Street, you're driving along the road. It goes from 55 miles an hour down to 25, coming into town, and you get into town, and the whole town's boarded up. There's, there's, there's nothing there. Every street, uh, every store on the street front is closed. But is there going to be a resurgence? Is small-town America maybe making a comeback due to remote workers? Well, I hope so. That would be awesome, right? Because there are also towns that you drive through, I'm sure, Bruce, that are beautiful. That are, you're like, oh, my gosh, I, you, you yeah. want to stop there and have lunch, right? Because these are towns that made it. So, yeah, I think um, as more and more people move to small towns, and they are, because why? They don't have to go to the office anymore. If you can work from anywhere, right? there's a lot of adva- advantages, many of them financial, right. let's be honest. You know, I mean, I, there's a lot of small towns I've looked at go, I'd love to live here. How the hell would I afford to live here, though, yeah, right? I have always wanted to live in a small town. That's my, that's my dream of retiring. I mean, it's just like the greatest place. Scott in Cortland. What do you have? 
Hey, Bruce. Morning. It's not an owl, man. It's not an owl. You got to get out of there, man. They're... He's not moving to a small town. Yeah. So here are some <laughs> of the 10 best small towns, most charming in Illinois. Charming small towns. Like Galena. Who wouldn't want to live in Galena? Although, okay, yeah, it's a maybe, tourist trap. Yeah, I know. It's, they're all going to be tourist traps. Woodstock. We we Woodstock just ha- we just came awesome. out of Groundhog yeah, Day. Yeah, that's an right? awesome. And you know what's the thing about Woodstock? Look how close you are to Chicago. I think that's the key. If you're living in a small town, but you're close, to you don't civil- want to be not civilization, but yeah, you want to be completely in the right, middle of nowhere. Right. Right. And Woodstock is perfect for that. Princeton. I know a lot of people who live in Princeton, Illinois. Mm-hmm. It's a great little town. Rockton. I'm going to say Rockton's on the river somewhere. Mm-hmm. Navu, I don't know Navu. N A U V O O. Hmm. It looks beautiful near Starved Rock. There you go, mm-hmm. Quincy. And it's funny because we were looking at a story about remote workers who moved to small towns, and it, it this one centered on the town of Quincy, which is a great town. Yeah, it's it's near a lot of things. But it's it is close to the river, Mississippi don't, River. Don't you think a lot of this also is driven by? In times of uncertainty, and God knows we've been through a couple years of it, I, I think there's a, we see a resurgence in nostalgia. Back to the basics. People want to go to a simpler time. They want to go to maybe uh, 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 an easier thing that they remember. And a lot of these small towns can can embody that, the idea that you kind of know everybody. Uh, you know, the, the mm-hmm. idea that it's easy. The, traffic, Your kids are there's, safe. There's Schools two traffic lights. Uh, yeah. you know, what traffic? What are we talking about? You know, that there is, yeah, you walk home, the, the street lights come on type thing. Yeah, and, I mean, we're talking about families, right? We're not, not a lot of single people who are moving to small towns. They want to be I in the know. big city. But when you're, you settle down, and a lot of people are moving back to their hometowns. Ooh. Yeah, they've got Back two to where kids. They have some roots. Yes, they've been married. They have they've had a job near the big city and now they can work remote. And they're like, you know what? The cost alone of living near or in a big city mm-hmm. compared to a small town. Yeah, they're making it work. Yeah. Is that gonna drive it up though? What do you mean? I mean well, in terms of if the you price, guys, yeah, the, sure, yeah, yeah, the prices, and and I mean, there's a certain and then level the people that begin to good. hate you. These outsiders. Then they're like, we got to move to the city where it's cheap. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like yeah, there's a little bit of a cycle there. It's a vicious, there is. it's a vicious circle, but you know, and obviously there's a good amount of leveling on that. It's right. like yeah, you want the prices to go up a little bit in your town, you know, it's healthy for it's, the property values. It's a good thing, but um, I wonder if folks living in small towns are just like, oh great, now we've got all these kind of city si- slickers, yeah, city slicker millennials. Or Gen Z kids that are just like, I want to go live the small town. We call lifestyle. them liberals out here. Yeah. <laughs> Keep your but politics I, where you came from. I did just read an article on a town in Colorado that the, the people hate it. They had so many wealthy people moved into this little town. I, I forget what it was called. And uh, so many people moved in that they're pushing out the people yeah, who live there now. They change the makeup yeah, of the community. Everything. And they're yeah. like, they ruined our town. Now it's their town. Yeah. So there is that. But I, I don't see. For so many of these towns that have been struggling, this is a godsend. I mean, the because more... there's not going to be a factory that's going to move no, back in. And, you know, not going to start marrying, making you know ball bearings again. It's going to be new coffee shops, new restaurants, maybe a theater. That's what the towns need, right? Yeah. And these are the to people support who are gonna, the people, right? To support the people, and they have the money and just enough to infuse it 
to, to be a good town, well, not to be an overrun town. Yeah, and maybe, and also kids, you know, people might be bringing their kids with them or coming out exactly there to have children is. and mm-hmm. um, bringing in a new generation into a town always helps. You can certainly understand why people in Chicago might be looking, uh, you know, elsewhere, uh, yeah. uh, you know, an hour in any direction to go. I've got my list. There? You know? Here's my list. Yeah. And Lake, again, Lake if you Geneva, could, New Buffalo. If you could still earn a living. Mm-hmm. Kind of the city, you could earn city wages, for lack of better terms, or pretty darn close to, while not having to live in the city, you might be able to live pretty well. You know, you go from having a, a one-bedroom, one-bath apartment to a three-bedroom house or the backyard and, you know, a place for the kids to play and the dog to run around. I mean, that's got to be real attractive to people when we start talking about and understanding more of this um, remote working and, and people doing it. Now, we say all that and we just had the discussion about the price of gas. So careful if you want to go live an hour or two hours outside of town and you need to go to town. <laughs> that's going to get... Pretty darn pricey. Well, this one resident fast. in Quincy mentioned that and said it's 15 minutes from one edge of town to the other. Yeah. Think of it that way. If you got to drop the kids off, got to go pick up some you know, food. You're not driving far at all. Good morning and a happy Monday to you. Here's what's coming up in the 7 o'clock hour. Gas prices are going up, 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 and up. Breaking the $4 average across the country. What's your breaking point? And will it change your driving habits? We'll talk about it at 745. Support from Ukraine is pouring in from all over the country. We talk with a rabbi who's helping organize help for the Ukrainian Jewish community. Mm-hmm. That's at 730. And do you experience anxiety? that feeling of an ease after maybe you enjoyed your Saturday night a little too much? You're not alone. We'll tell you more in just a few minutes. But first, the Supreme Court upholding the death penalty for the Boston bomber and is getting ready to maybe welcome a new justice. Joining us to break it all down is our legal explanationist, Rich Lankoff, partner at Bryce Downey and Lankoff. Good morning, Rich. Good morning. How are you? So far, so good. Um, you know, the, the death penalty appeals in the past have seemed to, in many ways, fallen on deaf ears with the Supreme Court. I, am I am I right to think that they are hesitant to overturn things like that? Well, of course, we've got a conservative majority now, a solid conservative majority, uh, 6-3. So that has a lot to do with the current makeup of the court and the way they're viewing death penalty cases and especially Sixth Amendment issues like uh, that was in existence here. Mm-hmm. Explain that part specifically. Yeah, of course. Well, on Friday, uh, the Supreme Court, as you mentioned, they voted to uh, uphold, reinstate, actually, the death sentence for the Boston bomber, um, Tsarnaev. And uh, the logic was twofold for the lower court having overturned that. So you may recall that a Boston jury had found um, Jokar Tsarnaev uh, guilty mm-hmm. in killing three people in the Boston uh, Marathon bombing, and they had uh, it, uh, penalized him with a death sentence. Well, a s- appeals court overturned that on a couple of grounds. Number one, they held that the judge's pretrial questioning of the jury should have been more extensive, and number two, that the jury should have, in the penalty stage, heard evidence supporting the defense theory that Joe Carr was just a puppet to his brother who masterminded the entire crime because they were involved in an earlier crime. The judge did not allow that evidence in, uh, thereby making the appeal court rule that the death sentence should not be in place because he wasn't afforded his Sixth Amendment rights. Well, on Friday, by a 6-3 majority, uh, written by Justice Thomas, 
the court, Supreme Court held that that lower court was wrong, that that evidence, it didn't matter that it didn't come in. It didn't violate the Sixth Amendment. He was afforded a fair trial, and they reinstated the death penalty. Wow. Well, and I think it's interesting that Justice Thomas also wrote that he had come out, the Boston bomber had committed heinous crimes. It almost seems like it was a little bit more about the crime than it was about the technicalities. And quite frankly, I think Americans were shocked when they wiped away that death penalty. Yeah, yeah there's no question. I mean, obviously, the, uh, the degree to which the crime affected the entire city and the country, obviously, that had a lot to do with the original sentence. And uh, Justice Thomas, to your point, calling it a heinous crime, yeah, obviously that has an effect, and and you know uh, there were arguably some issues on appeal, but the you know because of what a serious crime it was, the majority felt that those issues did not amount to reversible error, and therefore they reinstated the death sentence. He's Rich Lenkoff, partner at Bryce Downey and Lenkoff. Uh, staying with the Supreme Court, if you will, we do have a uh, uh, a nominee. Uh, President Biden has put forward uh, Judge Katanji Brown Jackson, and uh, to replace the retiring Judge Stevens. Wait, did I get all that right? There's a lot of names in there. Uh, what do we know about her? Well, she's young. That's a, you know, she's young and African American female. So those are two important criteria. Of course, President Biden, when he was running for president, pledged that he would nominate a an African American female, and he held up on that pledge. And the fact that she's young is obviously very important, especially in light of the three most recent justices that President Trump had appointed. These are lifetime appointments, right? So uh, Judge Coney Barrett, for example. Um, will be now the second youngest after Judge Jackson is um, is on the Supreme Court. So that's important because, you know, you want your legacy to last for 30 or 40 years. Is that, uh, is that relatively also, new, by the way, Rich? Like the, the, I seem to remember, now that you mention it, you know, being nominated to the Supreme Court, you already had gray hair. Like, there's a, there's a trend towards younger justices? Definitely, uh, especially in light of how partisan the process has become, the justices are now solidly either conservative or liberal. I think gone are the days of like a Justice Souter who was appointed by the first George Bush and then later became one of the most liberal justices on the court. You're not going to have those justices flip anymore. So the point mm-hmm. of that is that you want to appoint someone who's going to solidly vote either conservative and liberal and do so for at least 30 years so age is now a huge factor wow that really kind of makes me sick to hear (laughs) you know what i mean it's the supreme court what what happened to selecting a judge based on their experience Mm, become a political body i know and it's terrible so it's so it's less about their youth than it is about their um which way they lean Right. I mean, you know, Merrick Garland, who is the current uh, current U.S. Attorney General, was famously nominated by Barack Obama, and then later, you know, his nomination was held up because of how long Obama had left in office. He was, you know, up there in age. He wasn't, you know, that young, so that was a bit of an exception. But yeah, for sure, uh, the trend now is certainly to find judges who are qualified, like just Judge Jackson certainly is, but also who will be on there for, you know quite a number of years. Rich, along those lines, and again, Rich Lenkoff is a partner at Bryce Downey and Lenkoff. 
you know, all of us go from being different experts in everything. I will admit, I don't think I'm an expert necessarily in in uh, um, judges and and their qualifications. How can we judge someone? Is it strictly by how they've ruled in the past? Uh, is there another measuring stick? Well, it's a great question. You know, there is no blueprint, uh, according to the Constitution, of how the Senate goes about their advice and consent duties. Uh, you basically have to vet the candidate, understanding that part of the process has to be not asking them and them not telling us how they will rule on the bench, right? I mean, they can give, you know, you could perhaps tell or foresee how they will rule based on prior rulings. But you can't just ask them, nor should they tell you at their hearings, how I will rule on a given issue, especially high-profile issues. So you can't even, you know, no matter how much you look at their prior ruling, you don't know for sure how they will act on the Supreme Court. Mm. And that's the way the process should be. That said, you know, a judge like Jackson, who's been out on the bench for many years and has actually undergone two Senate confirmation hearings, there's a wealth of information about how she has ruled. So there really shouldn't be any surprises with a judge like Judge Jackson, but you never know. The Supreme Court famously, you know, changes people as we've talked about with Justice yeah. Souter. So you'd never really know, and that's the way it should be. You know, there should be some mystery as to how you'll rule. Otherwise, to your earlier point, you simply become a mouthpiece for whatever party nominated you. And do you think she'll be confirmed without much to do? Yes, unquestionably she will. I mean, she's eminently qualified. Uh, there won't be, you know, won't be unanimous. Uh, Republicans will. There will are Republicans who will vote for her for sure, but uh, she will definitely be confirmed by the Democrat-controlled Senate. All right. Rich, appreciate your insight. Thank you to, uh, for your time today. Thank you. Rich Thanks, Lenkoff, sir. he's a partner at Bryce Downey and Lenkoff. Our legal explanation is not only on the death penalty for the Sarnayev brother, uh, but on the upcoming uh, battle for the Supreme Court and the latest nominee. Hey, good morning to you and a happy Monday. It's Bruce and Judy and WLS is presenting the No Spin Zone with Bill O'Reilly, a live speaking event. And it's coming up Thursday night. March 31st, doors at 6, shows at 7 uh, in Waukegan at the Genesee Theater. All right. Uh, we're all going to be there hosting it. Tickets on sale now. Easy way to get them. Go to WLSAM.com for all the details and to get your pictures. You can, your, your tickets, you can even, even add your ticket and go to our pre-show cocktail hour, have drinks, hors d'oeuvres, meet Bill before the show, get autographed copy of his New bestseller, Killing the Mob. All right. So WLSAM.com, the No Spin Zone with Bill O'Reilly is coming March 31st. So uh, I've never heard the term hangxiety before. Uh, maybe because I've never been hungover in my life. Because as oh, far you as don't I know can what tell, you're missing. <laughs> you have to drink to be hungover. And having never had alcohol in my life, I have no concept of it. So I have to rely on the um, the lushes in the room to explain to me about anxiety. Anxiety. Well, it's a beautiful feeling, Bruce. It's after you wake up with that half-eaten Taco Bell on your bare chest. Ouch. And you start feeling the weight of everything that's happening to you, will happen to you, and will ever happen to you. It's wonderful. Really, like that your your mind starts doing <laughs> well, it starts to race a little bit. Well, I see now in my case, 
And believe me, I just had this over the weekend. I like was I. You feel so guilty. I'm like, oh you my do. god, I feel yeah. so bad. I can't get out of my pajamas. I'm never it's already again. one o'clock in the afternoon. I'm supposed to be at this damn St. Patrick's Day parade. I can't. No, I can't go and start drinking again. And so you start to feel, you know, guilty. Or I should get up. It's oh my gosh, it's seventy degrees out. I can't sit here all day, which I did. That was my anxiety, my anxiety. Yeah, you start making a lot of bargains with God. Oh right, yeah, you I will start never saying, drink again. I swear, if please. Only, if so, only, if only. Apparently, yeah. it's 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 chemical in a certain way. So uh, if you understand dopamine, dopamine is a, a neurotransmitter, and it, it brings um, pleasure, and, and it's a good thing. You know, mm-hmm. don't, when you get extra dopamine, you feel good. Well, when you're hungover, research shows that the dopamine goes down. So you're getting that opposite effect you would of, you know, like me when I have chocolate. Oh, it makes me happy. Yeah. The dopamine. Yeah, no one ever sits around with a hangover being like, yeah, this is awesome. <laughs> it's, oh, God, what did I do? And then you start to think about what you may have done. What did I say? You have to go look on your phone <sighs> figure yeah. that out. Yeah. Uh, it's, Who did you know, I text? Yeah. Right. I um I had my son. I, I you know, probably was overserved. I, I definitely was overserved on Friday. Yes. And then my son picked me up and it was just that was my embarrassment the next day. Oh, your and, your son yeah. was your your Uber driver. He was my driver. driver, yeah. And he had dri- and I was like, "Ah, you know, it won't be that late." Well, it was really late. I was pretty smashed. Did you throw up in your son's car? I did not. And okay, they're my good. cars, by Five the way. Stars. It would have been Five my stars. car. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I did not. I um I don't really don't remember the ride home. Um, and Conlon was such a good boy. He was nice enough to walk me up to my room. He's the favorite one. Yeah. Where I, well, that night he certainly was my room where I then stumbled a little bit. (laughs) It was dark and, um, may have, you know, hit my head. Um, so he waited. (laughs) I just, so those are the things the next day as you're taking aspirin and drinking lots and lots of Gatorade that you're thinking about. Hmm. And then I thought back to... When he picked me up, was I? What was I like? What did I say to the people who were still there? Because everyone was—I was the first one to leave. Wow. Yeah. Still. Yeah. One. It was after one, one in the morning. Is after one in the morning. I, I haven't been out that long in so long. I mean, it's been <laughs> you know years. And I and you know what? There's also the thing about what you drink, right? Oh, really? I was drinking wine. Okay. I was at. I'm what just gonna. I'm just gonna have? give him up the Vincents because when you go to their house in the neighborhood. You ha- you don't leave usually until four in the morning. Oh God! They pump in. We're pretty sure oxygen into no, the room. It's into like the, a casino. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> and your glass is never empty. Glass never, never never gets to the bottom. So I was saying I would text Con. Okay, Con, come now, and then I would put my phone down, and one of the Vincents, I won't name her, would pick up my phone and say, "Don't come yet." Oh, for God's sake. So I was like, where's Khan? We only, this is, you know, five minutes away. Yeah, it was He's pretty. not coming. You're under house arrest. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say, yeah. There's, there's, so, there's hostage situations. Yeah. That, it's, so, um, but this, it made this my hangover, my anxiety better because I was like, it's not my fault. It's not it's my, my fault. fault. There my you anxiety. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's worse when it is your fault, yeah. Bruce. I'll tell you. It's, oh boy. What are the hangover cures? Again, the guy who's never had alcohol knows nothing about this. But I've always heard, you know, some of these uh, concoctions, if you will, these 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 amazing magical cure cures. Mm-hmm. Do any of them work for you guys? Do you have them? 
you must have a cure because you can't just lay there without one. So yeah. even if it's even if it doesn't work, it's, you yeah, just it's psychological. Do something. I just named aspirin for sure. Aspirin, Gatorade for sure, because yeah, you got to get those electrolytes back. Okay, two raw eggs, one cup of pancake batter, okay. and some Tabasco sauce. Oh, you're, you're, oh, you're making it. No, wait a minute, a minute. You, you, that's not real. <gasps> that's super you're real. You're not cooking it. You know, cook it. If you cook it, then you might get. You know, it, it doesn't work that Ooh, way. Are you rocky? I mean, maybe yeah, if you, right you can the, call me right Rocky. Up the stairs if you of St. Patrick's to. Church. No wonder yeah. I don't drink. I would never <laughs> eat yeah. that. No, you know what? Nobody <laughs> does. He's crazy because then you just vomit. That's you, I would vomit. And then you feel amazing oh, afterwards. Okay, you know, vomiting <laughs> is what vomiting is what of the things you can do. It gets the liquor out. It gets well, all food of it out. Does, food does tend to quote unquote soak it up or Only it gets your body it's a greasy cheeseburger. Okay, so you got to have greasy stuff. You guys are lightweight amateurs. You need to get back on the horse the next morning. Doing, Nick. Hair of the dog. I was too far yep. gone. Oh my god! Yeah. I, I have done it many, many times in my life, and it is Good. true. Nick is right. Once you start drinking again, because you're already still a little bit drunk, it doesn't just go away. Just because you came home after the night of drinking doesn't mean you're not you're sober. Oh no, it takes. So a then lot. you just start again, and then at some point you do feel better. But then it just extends you the hangover. Yes, now. it does. No, no. my dad used to say that. My dad said, "If you if you never stop drinking, you don't get you'll never get a hangover." Yeah, good point. Yeah. And then That's by science. that time, you're, work, call, work, you're calling for in him for Monday. 20 something years, I think. Yeah. So, uh, oh, my yeah. goodness. Yeah. You should never stop, you know. And, and the old line, he used to tell me, you can't drink all day if you don't start in the morning. So, um, <laughs> come on. <laughs> Speaking, I, I agree with your dad. Yeah, yeah. You and my dad would get along great. There's no yeah. doubt about it. Hey, good morning. Uh, thank you for spending some time with us today. It's Bruce and Judy, and you know, there's a lot of different aspects to what is going on in the war in Ukraine, and we know now that there is a uh, a humanitarian crisis. Uh, there, as uh, over a million uh, Ukrainians uh, fleeing the nation, uh, going to some of the uh, neighboring countries, uh, and then people right here uh, trying to help, trying to do things, and um, um, with, a, with a real connection to them. Joining us right now is Rabbi Levi Notik, and uh, you are the Director of Development at Friends of Refugees of Eastern Europe. Good morning to you. Good morning, Bruce and Judy. How are you? Fine, thank you. Now, Rabbi, this is not a new organization. Have you been dealing... This is something you guys have been dealing with for a while, right? Yes. The Lubavitcher Rebbe founded Free Friends of Refugees of Eastern Europe in 1977. Whoa. With a mission to help the immigrants that were coming from the former Soviet Union, Ukraine, Russia, and all the Eastern European countries. Humanitarian, educational, spiritual, whatever help they needed to be there hands-on. Wow, so you guys have been doing this for a while. This is not new, and there have been, sadly, for 40-something years, there's been refugees um, moving around that area. Can you tell me maybe even more specifically, as as I will acknowledge, I'm I'm trying to get up to speed on some of the... Uh, the history of the region. What is the 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 plight of Jews in Ukraine, Russia? How how does that play into this? Well, today, like everyone else that's there, I mean, there's human suffering. Yes, sir. They're fleeing for their life. Those that are able to get out, many, many, actually, majority are not able to leave, and we're on the ground there helping them with basic needs. I mean, they can't get medicine. A lot of them can't get food. They're, they're running out of supplies. It's very, very difficult on the ground. It's dangerous. There, there, there's sirens. There's explosions. It's, I mean, the human suffering oh. and the, the, the pain is just horrible. Agreed. How many Jewish people are there in Ukraine? 
There's an estimated of a quarter of a million, 250,000. Mm-hmm. And, and I, you know, with some of the words, I got to tell you, it's it's been di- disappointing because I, I hate when you start hearing Nazi comparisons, but even President Putin referred to Ukrainians as Nazis. Maybe it was lost on them that the president of Ukraine is Jewish, and like you said, there's half a million Jews there. Uh, but the, the Nazi comparisons... And and the, the, there is a lot of them in this, and it's really disturbing. Uh, not just, to, I mean, must be more so to you. Nazi comparison adds adds hurt. Um, it, it evokes many difficult memories for survivors, for their children, even for their grandchildren. It's a very difficult um, and, and painful um, comparison. However, whatever label it gets, there's tremendous, tremendous suffering. And, um, you know, we have to be there to help others in need. And it's our, it's our um, duty and our responsibility. And as we sit here in Chicago thinking, what's going on and what can we do? There are really practical things we could do. Helping them, sending aid, making sure they have the stuff that they need. I mean, getting money into the country is very, very difficult. Mm-hmm. Getting supplies into the country is very difficult. And th- this is survival. There are people that are literally hungry. Literally, like, no medicine. They're, they're stuck. Ugh. Yeah, and and Rabbi, you're talking about, you know, people who are not necessarily wanting to leave their country, right? I mean, they their Ukraine is their home. At some point, I mean, they might want to move out of that city at the time being while it's being bombed. But this is a place they're going to stay. Well, there's a lot of difficulty getting out, even sure. those that want to leave. Certain ages can't leave. And we're, at free, we're dealing with a lot of the, the resources that are available on the ground there. People are calling their family members that are trying to get out. There's a draft, so if you're between 18 and 60, you can't leave uh, males. You are in a situation where, how do I get out? Who could help me? And we're navigating that and directing them, and it's constantly changing. You know, one city has buses at this point. There's a phone number to call, and that area keeps changing. So a lot of people want to leave. A lot of people can't leave. A lot of people have elderly family members. They do not want to leave alone. Yeah. Right, the idea that everyone can pick up and leave, you're right, That's it's probably not very uh, practical in any way, shape, or form. Rabbi Levi Notik is with us right now, the Director of Development at Friends of Refugees of Eastern Europe, and and I I don't want to gloss over it, Uh, an organization that's been around since the 70s because there has been a need to help refugees of Eastern Europe for quite some time. What we're seeing in Ukraine is just the latest version of that. Are you in contact with, uh, uh, with people in Ukraine? Are you getting stories back? Yes. Multiple times a day we're talking to them. There's a call for help. We're stuck. We need help. How do we get out? Should we leave? Some of our children can't leave as far as the age goes. Some of our elderly can't leave. What should we do? There's desperation. There's fear. It's, it's a very difficult time, yeah. and we we have to help on our side. And that's we set up a campaign, and really a fund, free of Chicago slash Ukraine, to help these people with the necessities. Are you finding that these necessities are you're able to get them into Ukraine, to, into the hands of the people who really need it? It's very hard to send things over, so we're sending money to the people that are there. Mm-hmm. So they could access whatever may be available there. We're trying to get more more supplies in. It's very difficult to ship things. And just over the border, Romania, Moldova, and so on, you have people that already got out that have set up centers yeah. to feed them, to have a place for them to sleep as they flee and figure out 
not my plan for the future. I plan for tomorrow. Right. A, 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 a trauma, a war like this can can make you uh, start looking a lot more, uh, yeah, day to day. You don't have a year plan right now. You're just trying to get through the day. And, and, and Rabbi, you make a great point that I think uh, the United Nations has said over a million people now have fled Ukraine to neighboring countries, Poland and Romania, some of the, the neighboring states there and are are desperate and in need. And we, we've seen images of, and we actually talked to a, a ABC News reporter of, you know, people walking 30, 40 miles with suitcases, you know, everything that they own just to get out of the country. And now they need our help and, and you're there to do it. Correct. Is there, can you tell me also, and, and, and again, you know, when we think about, um, Russian Jews, the the is it is it a complex relationship with Ukraine? Uh, do you see uh, are Ukrainian Jews, Russian Jews? Are you are you bound together by your your Jewry more than by your nationality? Both. Everyone is bound together. Russia, Ukraine. It's really one people. Um, former Soviet Union. It doesn't matter which side of this line you are you're on or the other side. It's it's one community. I mean, we are fortunate to to serve this community of wonderful, wonderful people for so many years, and it's it's really Russia, Ukraine, White Russia. It's all it's all the same mm-hmm. as far as the people are, um, which is special. And um, as they suffer, everyone cares and is trying to do whatever whatever possible to help them. Can you give us the the place where once again where people can go and get that direct aid? Where can they go and help and support your the mission of Free, freeofchicago.com forward slash Ukraine. It's an emergency fund going directly to people on the ground to help them with supplies, with just ability to flee those that still can. It's getting harder and harder to leave the country, to get buses, to get whatever type of cars may be possible. Getting gas is extremely difficult right now. And supplies, and then once they get over the border, to help in whatever way we can so they could... Uh, do the best, the best in alternatives. Yes, sir. To try to make some, some stability. Rabbi, thank you for your your work. And you know, I, I feel like we, we should, we're going to stay in touch because I can I can foresee where refugees might be making it here to the United States, right here to Chicago. And I know that they'd be welcome with open arms in so many communities. Rabbi, really appreciate your time today. Thank you. Thank you. Have a wonderful day. Let's do what we can. Here, here. Yes, sir. Uh, Rabbi Levi Notik, uh, who is also the Director of, of Development at Friends of Refugees of Eastern Europe. Uh, again, an organization. You might say, oh, they just came up with that because there's this need in Eastern Europe. No, it's 1973. They've been dealing with refugees, thinking about the former Soviet Union and all of that that went on. And a good morning to you. A uh, a happy Monday. It's Bruce and Judy, and we are seeing uh, the price of damn near everything go up shortages uh, continuing, and uh, there are still some things. If you've been to a grocery store lately, if you can get over the sticker shock, um, you might not even be able to find certain things on mm-hmm. shelves, and they still continue. And, uh, uh, you know, hey, shout out to their creative uh, marketing where they now take, like, six cans of soup and they just kind of spread them out, yeah. you know, so it looks like more than six cans, you know, like they're just going to be space. creative. Got to put a lot of space between them so people don't go, how come there's no soup? 
Oh, you, six cans right six there. Can, look at that. Yeah. We, we took up half an aisle, for God's sakes. We, we did that. So, yeah, there are still things out there that we are facing shortages of. And by the way, for some of them for very different reasons. It's kind of like um, a lot of things all happening at once. Why is milk in short supply? Fewer cows. <laughs> Yeah, I, I and I get what you're saying. Cans. There's a problem with getting cans. There's a problem, you know, production. There's those ships that were off the California coast forever. You know, delays in that. Prices, you know, gas prices are up. That's going to cause more. But again, I'm going to say I, I feel like the, you know it, there's some taking advantage here because really, I went shopping this weekend, and for the first time, I had sticker shock. And you know what? 312-591-8900. How about you? What are, what are you seeing or not seeing? What can't you get that you have to have? I mean, I was so surprised. I buy a lot of steak. I'm a okay. steak and potato girl. I admit it. I, I couldn't That's believe, expensive I, to begin with. That's a very yeah. expensive taste. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? No. <laughs> I don't eat steak. I am very frugal as well. I buy on, I go, I shop sales. I like frozen hamburger patties. Oh, no. No. <laughs> I, well, I didn't, I, like. I didn't buy my favorite steak this weekend, which is, you know, I usually buy the, just yeah, the mid range. Just a filet mignon, you no, know? No, no. Yeah. I don't do filet. I mean, I do strip steak, mm. you know, ribeye. But this week, I, I was like, I'm not paying those prices. It was, and maybe they just weren't on sale. But I got to tell you, a lot of stuff wasn't on sale. Everything was expensive. Well, there's a shortage. And if there's a, a shortage, why would you put it on sale? But uh, uh, Well, I guess. But, I mean, is there? There was enough meat. It wasn't like there was, you know, fewer. It was just a lot of money. But it's this, It's not the meat. You know, we get, let's get away from the steaks that not everyone eats. It's yeah. the milk. It's the bread. It's the eggs Pasta. that are all. Pasta. Don't you know even why? Start, get me started. I can't even find pasta. You know why? No. It's because there's a wheat shortage. Oh. <laughs> you can Brains, imagine that. Yeah. I thought the Italians were on strike. Yeah, that there's been issues with wheat. And are you ready for this? That Ukraine and Russia are Europe's breadbasket wheat. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. And I oh, got to believe that either there'll be sanctions on Russian wheat, which I think there are already, coupled with Ukrainian wheat farmers are probably not going to be dodging mortars, you know, out in the field, which is going to cause more shortages and the price of wheat to go up, which means, gosh darn it, my noodles have gone to hell in a handbag. Well, what's interesting about the pasta, it's certain pasta. Like, Mm. you can find those uh, corkscrew... Okay. You know the one rigatoni, what, rigatoni that no one really uses. Nobody for eats spaghetti. That. You'd use that for your like cold salad. Okay, but that I could not find penne. I still can't. Penne. I, I had to search for penne. Okay, I literally went online to see if I could buy it from Amazon. Google. Penne. And again, I'm like, I'm not paying fifteen dollars for two boxes of penne. I'm just not going to do it. I'll eat the corkscrew one. You should get on Facebook Marketplace, see if anybody's selling some used penne. <laughs> used half, penne, half penne, penne, extra penne. Sitting That's around? the thing. If it's on sale. Now I buy a lot of it. I'm not dumb. I, you know, yesterday I bought literally 15 lemons because I use a lot of lemons. I'm like, I don't know. Lemony lemons will be next. Limes are really expensive. Avocados so. are in short <gasps> supply. Avocados very expensive. We had that issue in February where, like, the apparently every avocado comes from Mexico, uh, and there was a, a battle between Mexican authorities and U.S. authorities about letting avocados in. But that doesn't even take into account. All the other things of like trucking avocados from Mexico here. Hey, uh, Trent in Wrigleyville, what are you noticing the price of? Hey, what's going on? And uh, the price of meat, man. I mean, because I'm a total meathead. You're a meataholic. I'm right there with you. 
Yeah, and it is so insane. And now, I mean, now the fact that you got these prices for gas going up 40 cents in a day. Yeah. I mean, everything is now going to start doubling. Yeah, it feels that way, and right? It, it, I, don't, I don't understand why the knucklehead in charge can't just open up all of our pipelines and put us back to three bucks a gallon. Yeah, it doesn't work like that, by the way. Hate hate to break it to you, Trent. <laughs> yeah, it's not a matter of pipelines and whatnot, you know. Anyway, uh, but, you know, this is a issue. I mean, we're in the midst of inflation, record inflation. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and, and... It's one thing, though, to hear it, to hear about it, to hear us talking uh, about it. Nothing to it's see another it. <laughs> when you go to the grocery store and you're like... Ugh. Like, I, I literally went to four stores because I'm like, well, I'm not paying these prices. So then I won't go to the next store. So you, you burned more gas. <laughs> well, okay, I didn't go <laughs> that far. Expensive gas to try to find hey, cheaper. Every drop I, counts. I know. But I, I, I went down the line and I, because I knew, I know the places that I can get, like I can stock up and pay less. Uh-huh. Or I can, you know, that I know that we're having sales. I look at the flyers. I, I You have to now. But it was interesting that there weren't a lot of sales because you're right. Why would there be? Why would I put a sale yeah. if I've got a line of people out the front door right. all want it? No, we're yeah. going to charge more for that. Yeah, maybe you should switch to uh, spare ribs. Maybe barbecue spare ribs should be your next meat purchase. Beyond oh, meat. yeah, that's gonna yeah. that's, that's meat, a great oh, substitute for my strip steak. No, <laughs> I you know what I, I did. I yeah, went to a little. Meat. I went to a different cut of beef. It's not that I've had it before. It's it's fine. Like a sirloin tip, you know. Gets and I can tell done. you what, these damn kids aren't getting any steak. I'm getting, it's all for me That'll now. That'll teach yeah. them. Yeah. That'll teach them. Good morning and a happy snowy Monday morning. Yeah. Here's what's coming up this hour. More pain at the pump as gas breaks the $4 average. How much are you willing to put up with? We'll talk about it at 845. St. Patrick's Day weekend just around the corner. We've got the Chicago Reader's best bartender in Chicago. He is in studio to share his survival tips. You won't want to miss that at 8.30. And the Batman won big at the box office this weekend. Does that mean audiences are ready to head back to the silver screen? We're talking about that in just a few minutes. But first, oh, college basketball fans, March Madness is almost here. And that means it's probably time to lay down your bets. Illinois has ended the need for in person registration and this has opened the floodgates for companies to compete in the chicago market will you be getting in on the action do you bet now 312-591-8900 and will this change the way that you bet so i guess we have to explain how it used to be okay um for you to gamble on sports you had to be literally physically in the location of one of these sports betting parlors, you had to, it was a, you, if you use the app, you had to download it like you had to be there. And it was so that you, you know, you, you were physically in the location and betting, but you could do it on your phone. Well, now you can download the app and you can do it anywhere. You don't have to be in a physical location anymore. So basically, you can use the app. To bet on sports anywhere. And I believe there was previously, because I know some people, they're like, well, I've been betting for a while now. I think yeah, it was like a 10-month kind of moratorium on that. Right, yes. because of the pandemic. Because so of the pandemic. So now they're making it permanent. So now it is permanent. Yeah, so and people are already why. used to it. And now you can just still sit on your couch and bet, right? That's yeah. what that means. Lose a few hundred dollars. Yeah. You know, uh, here and there. Just in yeah. time for March Madness. Yeah. <laughs> 
And I think that it's certainly on purpose. I think we can all agree on that. That the, the reason that it was set up this way is that they knew that they wanted betting to be big for March Madness. But this is more found money for the state of Illinois that no doubt they will waste and squander. We had the <laughs> well, we had the the marijuana money that just showed up, right? Mm-hmm. They didn't have to do anything. All of a sudden, just marijuana tax revenue starts coming in. It's estimated that in the month of March. $1 billion in legal sports bets will be placed. That's with a B. Billion. <laughs> oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Wow. I, I, I bet there's uh, members of the you know, Illinois government where they just see those dollar signs roll oh, up in their eyes. Just ding. Uh, it works out to, um, it's pretty amazing. Illinois gamblers bet about $156 a second on sports. And they expect now with the relaxing of some of these regulations and the proliferation of more of the betting apps out there for that number to go even higher. And I still get to how does that change fundamentally sports? Let me give you an example. Uh, I was in Washington, D.C. a couple weeks ago and uh, uh, the hockey and basketball team there, uh, the Wizards and the Caps both play at the same arena. The arena has a sports book. Right on the street corner. And it looks like a like a snazzy bar, you know, like a sports bar. It's got a bunch of TVs and a bartender or whatever. And the sports book was packed. The people in the sports book don't go to the game. They're not in the they're not technically in they don't go to the arena. They're sitting at the arena out basically in a room watching it on TV and betting the entire time. Like, that fundamentally changes sports for some people. It has to. I just feel like people have always been betting on it. Just because it, Illinois hasn't been in on it, right? I mean, people, that's just what they, they've always Well, illegally, bet. yeah. Illegally, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, I mean, and, and now betting is becoming more... Think of all the bookies more... who've lost their job. What about yeah, that? Poor, think of yeah. the bookies. Pour a little out yeah. for the bookies. Yeah, exactly. do you see that? That's the world's smallest violin oh. playing for just the bookies. <laughs> poor bookies. Oh, poor you poor bookies. thing. I mean, I do I do get it, though. It's that you've always, everybody kind of had this tradition of they had a guy that they would go to if it's they want to bet on... You bet on this, you bet on mm-hmm. that. Maybe you play a little... You know, you... you do just a little bit on the side. It wasn't that right. big a deal. So I see what Bruce is saying, where it's that now it can be the entire entertainment aspect of watching sports is how much money can I win on this team? How much money can I win on that team? Should I bet on, uh, you know, Georgian chipmunk racing? Well, you see that. Yeah. Why not? See, but I'm saying those people were already betting. But here's, they were already doing that. Something has changed, though. Last year. Uh, total legal sports betting, the handle, the total amount, $57 billion. <laughs> That's up 165% over the year before. Up 165%. Because more legalized it's gambling? Becoming, it's becoming more, more accessible. Prolific. Right. Accessible. Okay. Thank you. It's more. And it, it, I think like people like me, I. I might not. I don't care. I like March Madness. But other than that, and it's just exciting. Mm-hmm. I don't care that much. But I might care a little bit more if I have some money, money on the riding game. on it. Right. So well, I, I think, think that's what the leagues are betting on, the sports leagues. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
And it might pardon fall. the pun. They're betting yeah. on you'll pay attention to a game between two mediocre mm-hmm. or bad teams merely because you've got some money right. riding on yeah, something so I guess specific. I'm saying, yeah, I'm that person who they, at least they got me to watch. I might never watch. Mm. Now I'm going to watch because I've got money on it. Yeah, it might fall into after. that. It fall into that same category of people who now, granted, the, it might be a false comparison because for marijuana there wasn't really a huge uptick in use just because it was legal right because there's other concerns with it um it's still kind there's maybe some stigmas with it but i feel like with sports betting the the stigmas got dropped pretty quick if there was one left at this point the barrier to sports betting was knowing a guy a bookie to play and if it's now on your phone on an app well that barrier is gone entirely and it feels legit it means that judy if she's just like well you know maybe i'll just see what's up I'll see what's up. Right. You'll open the app. You might not I bet, know nothing but. about betting. I don't know what the, those, the terminology they use and or how much to bet. Or, oh, they'd love for you, you know, to bet then. When I'm Please. in Vegas and I get, <laughs> and they say double down, I'm like, what is that? Oh, boy. So, yes, I'm the person they're after because, oh, I'll, you know, I'll bet a couple bucks here and there. Why mm. not? Mm-hmm. What could it buy? Right? I mean, it's the equivalent of that nice little $2 bet at the racetrack. You're just like, exactly. ah, I'm just Race here track, for the fun. One place I uh, bet. You know, maybe you're having you're having a cocktail. Some guys are smoking cigars over there. I want to be part of it. So you throw down no, $2. No, 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 no. You're funny. I do want to win. Every time I put the money down, I okay, do want to really, win. Okay. Oh, yeah. I just, I have never done it because it's never been in my atmosphere. Yeah, right? you weren't it's hanging never, out with no, Joey Bag of Donuts my, from Cicero. Right, you know, my nothing. boys. They're big betters. I learned that when I took them to Vegas. Oh my god! <laughs> Especially one of them, the least favorite. Um, so they. Well, it's, remember, it's it's only gambling if you can't afford to lose. <laughs> yeah, I remind you that. But you know, you, you know. Here's the thing: the young people, your age, Tom, they're they're betters. They gamble all the time. Like I was really surprised. I didn't. It, and I'm a girl, and I think that's also something. You know, it's more guys gamble, or, or not? Maybe not nowadays. But that wasn't even in our our family life. It's young men, predominantly, yeah. And gambling wasn't, you know, we weren't big gamblers in the family. We like to play games. We're gamblers that way, but not with money. So I was surprised that my youngest, I'm like, well, you're Mm -hmm. gambling? He gambles a lot, but all his friends do. It's it's just what they all do. They all gamble. Does it worry you? Does it worry you guys? It does worry me. Yeah. It's it's a reminder of the Vegas casinos. You know, they didn't build those. Based on giving out money, sure. <laughs> you know, exactly. I mean, yeah, yeah. Very true. They yeah. don't keep very, the very lights true. on because they're giving away money. I mean, yeah. that's just the reality of it. That 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 people are losing a lot, and I I still think, and and you know, I hate to be the naysayer, and I'm fine with I'm all for in favor of this, but in this country, with the with the amount of dollars that are being thrown around, even down to the level of college and non pro sports, the opportunity for Hanky panky and funny business. My worry is exists and and it's a totally genuine agree. danger. Totally, agree. a genuine it danger. Has to, it has to. Money, money is always the evil, right? Mm. Always. Hooray for Hollywood. Good morning to you. It's Bruce and Judy, and uh, it was a uh, again we're grading on a curve. A relatively big weekend at the box office, specifically for the new movie, The Batman, starring the. Uh, the sparkly boy from uh, Twilight. The vampire. Robert Pattinson, that please. One. Yeah, as the latest uh, version of the Batman. And um, does this signify that people want to go back and get into movie theaters? Because I'm one of those people that was worried that movie theaters might 
disappear, might go away. I mean, mm-hmm. some have certainly closed, obviously, during the pando, and there were no, there were no movies. So you couldn't go to a movie theater, watch what? Just, just sit there and just see the ads for popcorn run over and over again. You know, there was nothing to show. Let's all go to the lobby. But <laughs> uh, did you go out to the movies this weekend, and was it your first time in a while? 312-591-8900. Are movies back? Will people want to get back in the theaters? I do think movies like The Batman help. Not only because we all know the Batman story, you know, big budget film, this, that, and the other. But when you see it on the big screen, I think it's a reminder that no matter how good your TV is at home, it ain't like this. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you might have forgotten about the experience of the screen and the sound and, and, and you know, that everything that goes with being in a movie theater. Yeah, especially the Batman, right? I mean, there are some movies. Doesn't really matter if you see them in the theater or at home. And here's the thing. Besides the Batman, I just keep saying it because I think it's such a dumb title. The <laughs> Batman. What else is what other movie can I see right now? I don't even know. There's like five out, uh, like yeah. literally five movies, and, and no matter what theater you look at, it's the same five. Well, movies. Yeah. So I mean, when we talk about the people going back, I don't think we're there yet. But I mean, it's a chicken and egg getting them back. I think it's certainly. a chicken. And, you know, the, the the movie theater, the movie companies don't want to put movies out if people aren't going to go to the theater. People aren't going to go to the theater unless there's movies worth going to see. So it's kind of like this, uh, it's like a game of chicken, you know. And, 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 and if you can see the movie in your home, at home, why would you go to the theater? Which there is what they were doing yeah. when they were, they were coming out on streaming services exactly the same time they were in the I theater. I went to the movies recently. I cannot remember what I saw. Really? Nothing? Yeah, I saw Fruit. something. All Could right, have been gone with the wind I, for it. All no, you know, I don't. Yeah. I can't remember. What Bruce, other? I don't even know what movies question. are out. Yeah, go ahead. The, so, because because you're involved in this industry I to an extent, um, when things shut down during the height of the pandemic, yeah, I mean, are things back? Are they are they back up and rolling? Film like they were before the pandemic? Are things moving forward? Are are all these studios open and filming? Okay, so when you're if you're talking about the production of entertainment, yeah. yes, and it's bigger than ever before. Okay. You know why? Because of all the channels and streaming services that need content. I mean, think about this. Uh, You know, uh, Paramount, Peacock, uh, all these apps, Apple. Well, they all have original shows. And they are films or, or episodic television. So they're producing the material. They're making things. It's just we are getting them delivered to us very differently than we did just a few years ago. We're getting them on an app. We're getting them at home as opposed to having to go to the movie theater. I mean, think about every Netflix movie or Amazon movie or Apple movie. Well, those yeah. are movies that just years ago, if they weren't in a movie theater, where would you have ever seen them? Right. And it's so funny. Whenever I see something on Netflix or Apple or if you a movie, if you look at the credits when they're rolling at the beginning, so many different studios participating. <laughs> they companies. don't just, yeah, they're yeah. production companies. They don't have their own. Oh, I just remembered, and this is why I couldn't remember, because I saw Jackass at the theater. <laughs> but, but by the way, I would encourage you, if you're going to see it, that you do see it in the theater. Okay. I mean, that is kind of one of the movies that I would say in a big theater, it makes a lot more sense, and especially because of the camaraderie of everyone laughing. Right. There is something, there's a shared yes. experience in a movie theater. Well, it, it's, it can be laughter, it can be 
sadness and emotion. It can be shock and horror. But, you know, there is something to doing that. It's it's one of the things when you review movies and when you when you see a lot of them, that it's very different to see a movie in a... We do press screenings only. And some of the press screenings, there's you know, eight people in the theater. And it's very different than seeing it with a full audience the way an audience reacts to a movie. Yeah. And you kind of have Absolutely. to remember that. You know, gee, you think people are going to laugh at that point? Or, you know, are they going to recoil in horror at that point of, of the film? But I don't think you do that at home nearly as much. No. Yeah, unfortunately, no. you're more likely to be distracted. And granted, I know a thing or two about people being distracted in movie theaters. I used to have to walk around to different theaters and be like, excuse me, miss, can you please turn off your phone? You don't need to be Snapchatting your boyfriend right now. You were an yeah. usher. I, I Yeah, I was I was an usher. What theater? New 400 okay. in Rogers Park. So. I was, I, I'm not, listen, we are kindred spirits in the sense oh, of... Yeah. I was an usher at the AMC Elcon 6 Theaters. There you go. At, when I was at, just out of high school. Mm. Just throwing it out there. Yeah. 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 You really I never did worked at a movie theater. Just yeah. Oh, you missed, you missed all the popcorn you can eat. Yeah. Missed nothing. <laughs> all the popcorn you can eat. I mean, literally, all the popcorn you can eat. But yeah, I, I like going to the theater just because it means I'm going to focus more. Like, I'm going to be more Agreed. in tune with what's happening. The sound's louder. The picture's bigger. I'm, I'm more into it. If the I'm doorbell's home, not going to ring. Yeah. yeah. The cat's not going to start meowing in your head. I forget I'm at the theater until I hear someone laughing with me or crying. Or, oh, no. and it's like, wow, there's all these people around. <laughs> no. Yeah, no, I love going to the theater. Good morning to you. A happy Monday. Bruce and Judy with you as the snow flurries come down around us. Oh yes, the snow is back, making your morning commute possibly a little challenging. I'm just going to throw it out there. Do be careful. Uh, but somebody who braved the, uh, the elements to be here with us is the best bartender in Chicago. And that is not just hyperbole. That is an actual award that our buddy Mike Vanderbilt won. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having us. It's outstanding of you to be here. For you already sense. have a great bartender voice. And by the way, we are on live on Facebook right now. Head to Facebook, search WLS AM 890 to see us, uh, join the conversation, and to see Mike. And, it looks kind of fabulous. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you very much. Well, I heard we were going to be on Facebook Live, so yeah. I had to... Oh, uh, yeah. Hey, I... We thought you, you dressed up for the radio. Would a little eye-opener, would you? <laughs> <laughs> you? You roll with your own mallard. Look at that. All right. I don't know. I, I, eye-opener. I closed a bar at 2 a.m. last night. We had a long day. Juan Kim was in the kitchen with butter upon bacon. So I closed at 2 <laughs> and then was back up here at 7. So cheers to you. Cheers to you. Wow. <laughs> nice job. Oh, wow. Whoa, That's you are is that, what make, is that what makes you a good bartender? What's that? The ability, the ability yeah, to the ability drink, to drink at like 8.30 in the morning? Well, let me let me tell you something about <laughs> why I love Jepson's Malort. Because, oh. you know, it's the one shot you can do all night because it's relatively low proof and still count your drawer at the end of the shift. <laughs> okay, all right. It's That's the real trick. Important to be able to do that. Yeah. Now, tell me a little bit about the award. I wasn't kidding when I said that. You literally won this award. How did you win this? Uh, <laughs> Best like, bartender in Chicago. I, 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 fa- I truly faked it until I made it. I saw that the Chicago Reader, you know, who I've written for, actually. I interviewed Cheap Trick for him uh, mm-hmm. years ago. Uh, they had, you know, they have their best of uh, Chicago every sure. year. And I saw that there was a writing category for bartenders. And I wasn't sure if I would qualify because I work in Blue Island, Illinois, at Rock Island Public House. But... I do also attend bar at Lollapalooza and Riot Fest. And much like Rom, I maintain my Chicago residency. I live <laughs> like on the him. south side. And Very important. So I wrote myself <laughs> in, you know, put it on my Twitter, put it on my Facebook, and said, hey, 
if everybody else writes me in, maybe I'll get nominated. Forgot all about it. Woke up one morning, my old bartending partner, Michael Wayne, who used to work with me at Rock Island, he says, you know you're on the ballot, right? And I says, oh, well, I guess let's, let's try and make this, let's make this a thing. Yeah. And, you know, it, it, it happened. I couldn't believe it. Thank the maker. Outstanding. Good for you. It was it was very exciting after 16 years of doing this to finally get a little bit of recognition. So that that's an interesting question. What makes a good bartender? Oh, and there's a lot to it. I'm going to say the ability to listen, the ability to talk, and the ability to take a lot of abuse. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, uh, truly grin and bear it sometimes. Wow. But it is a communication business almost in that sense. I mean, the, 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 the memorizing of drinks is what it is. Well, anyone right? can make a drink, right? Uh, yeah. Well, I, I was just talking to somebody yesterday that, but it's always better when someone else does it for you. Absolutely. One thing I've missed in the pandemic is uh, my after hour spot is Brewbakers on the south side of Chicago, a legendary dump one of my favorites in the city but they're not open on sundays yet they're still just fridays and saturdays oh. and one of the great pleasures in life is after close that i work all day on sundays i do 3 p.m until 2 a.m is going and having a scotch and soda and having somebody else make it and somebody else clean clean up after you at 2 a.m something about that it's oh it's great just to sit down and and it's always, any after hours bar I've ever in, like on the TV, it's always Sports Center, American Ninja Warrior reruns, and Family Guy reruns. <laughs> here, here. Like, whatever, what, you're watching one of those three things at 2.30 in the morning. He's Mike Vanderbilt uh, in studio with us, winner of Chicago Reader's Best Bartender in Chicago. Now, we do have a very big drinking holiday come up. America is full of drinking holidays, if you think about it. We've got some some really uh, holidays where other than alcohol, I'm not sure people really understand what what's more to them. And St. Patrick's Day is a huge drinking holiday. One of the best. One of the best. One of my I favorites, too. Because let me, let me say something. I do not like that when, uh, what do I want to say? People call a holiday like St. Patrick's Day or Cinco de Mayo or New Year's Eve amateur night. Night. Just say what it means. You're too old. You're no fun no more. Ouch. You know, <laughs> not just, amateur yeah. night. Because the professionals are out there. The professionals are out there, and you know how to do it right. Uh, one thing I always advocate for, particularly on St. Patrick's Day, is like, just go to your local. Okay. Go to whatever your local bar is. Hang out with the people you normally hang out with. Don't try to make it this huge event, and you'll have a good time. Because people do, right? They they want to come downtown and go bar hopping and or just drink at the streets. Who knows? But, you know, that's some good advice to just stay at your local place. Yeah, but go out. Like, I encourage right. going out, especially as a bartender. Like, I definitely encourage going out and putting money in my pocket. Absolutely. <laughs> But I'm surprised that you like St. Patrick's Day because I, I wouldn't say it's amateur day, but I certainly would say it's the day a lot of people let loose well, for think, whatever reason. I was just going to say um, that, and you know what, I used to think like that. Like I said, I'm 41, I've been tenant bar for 16 years, and I used to kind of get my ire up about that sort of stuff. But then uh, maybe it's like a Zen thing or something. Like whenever you get a little bit busy at the bar, you're like, what is everybody doing here today? And you're like, well, what? they're they're paying you. They're paying yeah. your mortgage. They're paying your rent. So you have to say, you know what? This is my job. This is the life I chose, or it chose me. You know, I tried accounting. I went to accounting school. It didn't work. No, it oh was my not gosh. for me. I was going to ask you that. Did you always want to be a bartender? You know what? I always did. Though that's true. I, Who doesn't? I, that, no, I no joke. I want to be a bartender. Seriously, it, you're hosting the party yeah. every night. 
And I like to party. I don't know. I'm wearing I'm wearing sunglasses indoors and drinking wort. <laughs> and eight thirty in the morning. morning. Yeah, let's. And like, you've got like an ascot, or I don't know what they call that on. Uh, this would be more of a scarf, scarf? but yeah. yeah. But I am a fan of the ascot and the neckerchief. Neckwear. I'm a big fan. Big fan. I think you need to be really social. You have to be have mm. that kind of personality to be a bartender. Because I've had bartenders who aren't. No, they shouldn't be behind a bar. See, okay, now you like a you like a chatty bartender. Yeah, or just a nice bartender, a happy bartender. <laughs> I'm just going nice. Happy nice is hard enough for some people. Yeah, because um, I am a chatty bartender. I've no, I uh, got my start actually at Chili's in Orland Park. I worked for the Pepper for fifteen <laughs> years. Yeah, and you were the wow. bartender there in the in Chili's. Yeah, still? well, yeah, oh. and they they kept putting me on the, the shift. At first, I, well, I wanted to learn. Then I didn't want to do it because I wasn't making as much money on the floor. But they kept putting me there. Because uh, I'm a soft touch, and I said, "Well, you know what? I'm just going to make this Mike's place every night." And I developed a great crowd of regulars, and I made a lot of money, and I had fun. It was great about Chili's is the hours were great. I was out on the street by 11:30 with right. money, money in the pocket, and didn't have to be there till 11 o'clock or 4 p.m. the oh, next day. The it good old days of wonderful. Chili's, I think, is uh, something <laughs> you, you don't hear people say. No, you don't. You don't. <laughs> it was good till it wasn't. Mike, what is the best drink for St. Patrick's Day? You know what? Green beer. You just you go with the classic. Get the ice, the iciest, coldest draft that you have. Probably Miller Lite or Coors Light. Probably Miller Lite in Chicago, right? And just put some food coloring in there. There's something about the simplicity, the tradition. And I remember one of my first St. Patrick's Southside Irish parades. The whole family's over at my parents' house. You know, they live in Beverly. They still do. And I was taking sips of everybody's green beer. I'm four or five. <laughs> you really they don't start call, early. You can't call child services. I'm a parent. Too late. Like I said, I'm four Way too late. And just passed out on the bathroom floor. Oh it my was not, gosh. That was the first you time. You were headed right to bartending. Certainly not the last. Yeah. <laughs> Mike, thank you so much for spending time with us. Congratulations again on, well, on being Chicago's best bartender. Oh, it was my pleasure. Thanks for having me, guys. He's outstanding. Mike Vanderbilt with us. And a good morning to you. A, uh, a happy Monday. As ugh, the snow's really coming down now. We almost just melted it all the way this weekend, Judy, and now it's back. It is melting, all right? It's not really... No, uh, it's sticking no, a little bit. No, no, it's... It's, it's a heavier pavement. snow, it's, Yeah, I feel it looks heavy. It's not yeah. that light stuff. Okay, good dude. Let's see the positive in this, you guys. Come on. Well, maybe the positive is, with rising gas prices, there's few of you going to be driving out there. Oh, yes, because the price of gas continues to go through the roof. And here's the question. Um, at what point do you change your driving habits? I mean, is there a tipping point? We, we've seen this before. When, when, what was it? 2000 and, God, what was it? Eight or when, 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 when 2008, did, yeah. When gas prices went through the roof. I bet the last time. Mm-hmm. You saw people getting rid of their big SUVs, getting little tiny cars, commuting, this, that, and the other. Electric cars. Starting to go big a thing, popular. yeah. So, what is the tipping point? Let us know. 312-591-8900. Is there a dollar figure where you would change your habits? It's going to cost me $100 to come to work To fill your tank, yeah. In my little Camry, I'm going to be hard-pressed to go anywhere else. I mean, that's, you know, when when I'm filling up, I mean, even now, so it's... You know, and it's supposed to get higher. It could go to $7. Oh, it's it's going up. Okay, so around 4, I'm already... Uh, stressed out about when I go, you know, mm. I had like a quarter tank and I filled up the Camry and it was still $55. Right. And so, again, that's a pretty fuel yeah. efficient. Today, you're, I, you're not in a gas guzzler no, like today some people. I am in the little bit of a gas guzzler. It's a Honda Pilot. 
it's almost on empty because who drives the car? Not me, my son. So it's, which I would never leave something almost on empty. So now I've got to go fill it up because I don't even think I could make it. Well, I might make it home. <laughs> you know, now that I think about it, maybe I will make it home and let him fill it you're up. Gonna, you're putting it in yeah. neutral a lot, coasting, oh, no, turning this, it off oh, at the lights. This I'm is on what to happens when, this, when, when the price of gas goes up. I can, I can guarantee you it's been his car since he's been driving it. Sure, sure, sure. My car, my, that's how I first would. I can assure you today it will become my car. It's your car again. It's your car, Mom. Yeah. Anyway, it's I don't gonna, put gas in your car. Your, yeah, it's going to be well over a hundred dollars for the pilot, and I, it's you know that's hard to swallow. It's going to impact a lot of things. You know, uh, it's going to p- impact people's ability to do a variety of things if they are forced to mm-hmm. continue to pay for what is looks like in the near future. And you know, well, all leave we it hear- to me. I'm listen- I, I was I was a petroleum podcast. I know what you're saying. Uh, these are the I have a lot of free time on my hands where they they think this is going to be a fundamental kind of restructuring of global energy uh, if if Russia continues down this path. And will it not only speed up the need for non fossil fuels, but think about this. The flip side is. You also can't get rid of them too quickly because it's going to take a while to transition. Right. So a lot of these a other nations... Being years and years. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, it's not like you can pop up a new nuclear power plant tomorrow. Or mm-hmm. I mean, but, you know, they might be stoking some of those coal plants again. We start digging the coal out. We, you know, get back in the mines. You know, the, the, there's going to be a, a, a change as scarcity forces innovation, technology, etc., and, I mean, all we've been hearing about this year especially is our road trips, right? People are going to be taking, they're going to be traveling a lot Want more this summer. Wanting to get out. And a lot of them plan trips. I mean, we, the national parks around the country are exploding with tourists. Well, if gas is going to cost you, you know, $7 a gallon, I don't know about that anymore. I think people are going to be readjusting. They just can't afford it. It's it's, it's I mean, a calculation a they have to make. a lot more money to your vacation. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think on the weekends, too, um, I'll certainly be driving a little bit less to go places. Mm. I mean, I'm lucky enough where I do live in the city proper. Mm. I have the bus. I have the train that I can get on. What is this bus you speak of? And yeah, uh, that's oh, yeah. the thing. There's no public transportation. I mean, Chicago's great. And even the suburbs up to a point. Yeah, there's certain suburbs yeah, that have access to places, it. most places, yeah. I don't want to go anywhere to have to ride the red line. I mean, I, I see the news. Come on. <laughs> I will do it. I will do it for my wallet, even if it means I lose it on the red line. <laughs> I was going to say, are they, are, they, are they handing out bulletproof vests on my, on my I mean, trip? this could be great for, you know, Metro, the CTA, which they've been struggling. Metro especially has been struggling. Yeah, nowhere near back yeah. to the numbers where people used to commute because people aren't commuting. Could, yeah, this could change things a little bit, those who have to drive or, downtown. Or, follow me on this one, does this mean even more people will be working from home and companies will have to accommodate them because the cost of commuting is too much? Yeah. I think absolutely that has to be considered because they have the ability now. We all know. Obviously. Yeah, they can do it. It can be done. So uh, instead of putting the pressure on their employees and say, well, you need to be here. You got to be here. But gas is however much per gallon. They just say, so what's Listen, the be- we want to keep what's, you. How yeah. high is it going to go? What's the peak? Before people start no, just no. saying, okay. What, you you, Where you tell peak? me. Well, what's it? you said it was near $6 in California? It's already 6 in it's California. Already, it's already $6 in California. So here. 
It's about he, four here. I'm going to say six. I'm going to say six I for, Il- even, for Illinois. I can't bring the next number out of my mouth. I just can't. I don't want to say it. I'll go no. 650. I'll go higher. I'll play like the. Uh, oh, yeah. Can I go like. Uh, I love uh, on prices, right? Prices, right? Yeah. Uh, don't, one dollar. Uh, yeah, one dollar. One dollar. <laughs> no, no then you higher. go 601. Yeah. I'm going, oh, I'll go six and a half. This is how six we do. And a half I'm going to do six and a quarter then. Six and a quarter for me. Okay. There you go. All right. There we go. Six and a quarter, six and a half. That's our predictions for where gas is going. That's all I'm paying. Let me put it oh, that okay. way. The day that happens, I won't be here to, to even argue about it. I refuse you. to pay any more than that. We have a threshold that had been met. Might be one of the listen. The talk of gas prices alone might be one of the reasons why you think we're going to hell in a handbasket. Don't worry, Judy says she can restore your faith in humanity. So that Oakbrook man we were hearing about is on his way to the Ukrainian border to deliver supplies to people affected by the Russian invasion. Andre Herhoff flew from O'Hare to Poland last week, where he and two other people are carrying bags and suitcases filled with gear in hopes of helping save lives. Now, Herhoff was born in Ukraine. Much of his family still lives there. His dad, his in-laws, his cousins. The group packed bulletproof vests. Helmets, first aid kits, and other equipment. He raised $40,000 to buy that equipment in just a day. However, after learning that it would take weeks to ship the tactical gear to Ukraine, he decided to enlist some volunteers and deliver it in person. He says they'll keep flying to Poland if the mission is successful. You can donate at uyco.org. That's outstanding. Yeah. And I mean, what you talk about put your money where your yeah, mouth is. Yeah, someone making a difference, sense. right? Yeah, going to the Poland-Ukraine border. Over there. Well, you know, there's a whole story also about all these uh, ex-military people that are that are signing up to go fight. To go fight, right? I mean, Americans, Europeans go on to fight. Right. Yeah, that's and just a, think of all the Polish people putting up the Ukrainian people, which is outstanding awesome on their part. Too. Yeah, thanks a lot for restoring faith in humanity. Also, thank you very much to uh, MG and the Posse over there in Mission Control. Infant producer Miranda on the other side of the double pane bulletproof class. Uh, DJ Tom. And Nick Gale. He's sticking around with the news, the traffic, and the weather. Oh, the weather. He's got it all coming up next on 890 WLS.